Preseason week one is in the books, and the fantasy markets are already tossing out their priors because of a grand total of 12 snaps played with the starters. Today, we'll be covering the top 10 most interesting nuggets from this past weekend's preseason action. This is ADP Chasing. Let's go. Pat Fryer Helmo. <laughs> This is what? This is what? I'm hot. Anita job. Fix your sight. Jamar. Alpha play chase. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Canarius Tony? You can't handle the heat. It looks like we're finally at this point. You're right. <laughs> All right, everybody. Welcome to August 14th edition of ADP chasing uh, in the upset of the century. It wasn't Pat's or my internet issues that were causing delay here. Um, <laughs> don't, don't really know what's going on with Davis, but he will be, I know what's going uh, on. So we, be before we went on, we got a, we got a, uh, a tweet reply here saying, you know, <laughs> talking about Davis's mustache and making fun of a, you know, Davis saying, check out my mustache. Um, and then he said, Oh no, the mustache has been shaved. So that, you know, you, you won't make an appearance. And then he ends up being late to the podcast. Now, this this strikes me as pretty clearly a sign that he ran to go shave his mustache. Uh, just decided the mustache couldn't make any more appearances on podcasts. And that's why, that's why we're sitting here. So, you know, Davis lathering up, you know, making sure his face is nice and soft. Before, before he shaves I mean, it makes sense if you, if you watch the stream, the draft stream, he probably doesn't, you know, want any... Uh, memory of that mustachioed draft stream with uh, Liam and Kyle to uh, still be <laughs> continuing on. So he's probably got to cleanse his cleanse his face of that. Right. Uh, I do appreciate it. Yeah, I don't. I certainly don't want that mustache anywhere near this year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well. Anyways. Um, yeah. We had preseason week one uh, this past week. We'll, we'll wait a little bit uh, for Davis before we get into the charts here. But Pat, curious, are you somebody who actually watches preseason games, or do you just no. read uh, the snap summaries? Nathan Yonke, thank you for your service. Uh, no, I do not watch watch the preseason. I mean, the highlights make their way across, and I get to see that on, on Twitter. So, um, Chris, by the way, pointing out that I probably just have mustache jealousy, which is fair. <laughs> I, I cannot grow a mustache. I could grow a mustache. I can't grow anything but a mustache. I can grow the world's worst mustache that no one wants to see. So, um, yeah. yeah, that's probably probably something to that. But, no, I don't watch the preseason. I find it boring, to be honest. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, so I, I just go and I, I check out the snaps. Um, I seriously do think Nathan Yonke stuff is really helpful. It's awesome. Um, yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, it's the context of, of like, okay, you know, he's been doing this for a number of years as well. So he can be like, this team, like, normally does this. And the fact they didn't do this is interesting. Or, you know, they, they usually rotate their, their running backs by series. And, you know, they either did or didn't do that. Or we can kind of. Because we're just trying to parse the the new information, and I I think people push back on the preseason stuff to some extent. Uh, you point out, like you know, in the intro, we're all now throwing out our priors. You don't want to do that, obviously, but um, you know, a lot of like noisy stuff happens all the time in the NFL. Like I, people have been pointing out the Josh Jacobs one from last year. He, you know, he was used a lot in the Hall of Fame game, um, but then. Who was it? Ah, someone on Twitter was like, you know, he did rest with the starters for the rest of the last. I think game. it was it was Josh or Hayden. I think that. Okay. That out. Yeah. Yeah. I saw. Yeah, that. I think it was yeah. Hayden. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. that that was like, yeah. So that's that was a very helpful follow up data point. The one that sticks with me is um, 
Antonio Gibson two years ago was not used in third down situations uh, with the starters in the the third preseason game, I guess, at that time, or the second, whichever the meaningful preseason game was that year. Yeah. Um, and J.D. McKissick was. And that was, like, very important information that I mostly disregarded. I was like, whatever, preseason, who cares? But, like, <laughs> yeah. that, I knew I was kind of probably being stupid even then. Like, I this probably matters some. But it's like, then it's like, well, whatever. Like, he'll take it over by the end of the season. But we are getting nuggets of information. They're buried in nuggets of noise. But, like, I don't know. It's Is it, like, it's not as powerful as week one, obviously. But, like, week one's like that, too. When we're in yeah. week one, we're like, oh, what does this mean? What does this mean? But no one's like, don't pay attention to week one. You know, it's it's going to take some work to, to get the right lessons out of the preseason stuff. But I, I do think there's lessons in there. I do too. Yeah. I, I, so yeah, I was, I was joking in the intro about 12 staffs played with the starters. I, you know, I think I'm on the same page as you, Pat, where obviously there is noise and, you know, when, for example, you know, Devon A chain, he's playing with the third team, this preseason game, he's playing behind Miles Gaskin and Salvin Ahmed. Like that's something that strikes me as okay. He's a rookie running back. And like, that's normal. I'm not like completely, you know, taking out the panic button and fading, you know, a chain completely but at the same time it's like it would be better if he was playing ahead of those guys like you know there are yeah. some rookies that are like you know musgrave is playing with the ones like right there's other you know tank bigsby got snapped by the with the one so i think the pushback on like oh preseason is meaningless like toss it all out it's like you you have to put it in context i think particularly for rookies because that's just how the nfl works like these guys are very often buried on their depth charts um to start the season and that's completely normal but the folks that are like, you know, I saw Levitan, he put out a great thread of uh, the preseason takeaways and it's still tons of responses of like, oh, overreacting the preseason. This means nothing. I mean, people have to realize like, yes, some, some of these reactions like will end up being wrong. Like it's not going to be perfect, but all in all, like I think playing, paying attention to preseason usage is like an edge that you have if you're able to parse it appropriately. Edge. Yeah. Um, I generally think doing work is an edge. You know what I mean? So if you're like thinking through, like if you're bothering to incorporate new information and then think through it about what was and was not baked into this guy's outlook and then what this new information gives us, you know, I think it's an edge. Like no one, there's a, I think some of the pushback is like, just stems from like laziness to an extent. Like don't, yeah. don't get this stuff out of my face. Like I don't care. I don't want to have to think about this, but, and obviously if you just like, flow with the wind of you know this guy got eight snaps with the snorers and this guy got nine no no like that would be <laughs> stupid but like you're you know i, I think like like the h-m one's a good one right like what's baked in well you could argue that like his current price price doesn't really reflect really any early season production like it's pretty much like he never really bounced back fully from the dalvin cook rumors he is priced basically as like a late season, you know, high upside, but like you, you definitely need him to like you good, but like a guy who can come on down the stretch as a, a rookie with elite speed and fully pay off for you at his current ADP. So docking him a lot for not being involved is like a clear starter right away. I mean, like if a chain was like a clear starter, it should be like a sixth round pick, fifth round pick. Like, 
it's not baked into his price, you know, so don't freak out. But then there's guys like, you know, like Penny, like I'm a little nervous about Penny because I'm like, he's kind of priced like he's going to have some kind of role right away. I mean, they're not priced like that differently from each other, but it's like a bit of a different bet because it's like a crowded situation. And so now with Penny, like yeah. I'm not freaking out too much, but I'm like, I thought Penny was like kind of almost helpful in the early season because I'm worried about this injury risk, but at least like he'll have this role. And now it's the opposite. I'm like, well, now it's a bet on talent play where he has to like prove himself probably and stay healthy. And I want to spend a little less on that. And I, I want to fit that into my running back rooms a little differently as well. Like he, yeah. some of it can just be kind of like qualitative, like what type of jigsaw piece is this guy and what, how does he fit into my rooms? Yeah, for sure. It definitely, um, like, I think the penny one is a good example because that didn't, what we saw doesn't change his like true upside case by any means, but I think definitely has a lower floor introduced with that information. Oh, and we'll get to the Eagles RBs and sort of, um, break it all down. But yeah, I totally agree. I think, you know, some of the preseason pushback, I think it stems from a couple things. One, like you said, is laziness. Two, I think the industry like five years ago was really bad at analyzing preseason stuff. It was just like whatever rookie got the coolest highlights. It doesn't matter. Yeah, who looked in. good. Yeah, it didn't matter if it was in the third quarter or what. It was like, oh, that rookie got yeah. a huge highlight. Like, let's, you know, drive up our boards. And some of that still happens a little bit now. But Roshan, is, it's a little Roshan right now. Yeah. And yeah. it's like, I get it. He looked good. <laughs> but that's like, kind of why awesome. I don't watch. Because that the yeah. he looked good part of it is pretty useless. It's like he looked good, but it's it's so hard to know what that means against, you know, he he ripped off that right. run, you know, middle of the third quarter against the backup defenders. Like, who knows what that means? Anyways, um, the Roshan, you know, people think I'm biased against Roshan. Like, the reason I'm not reacting to that clip at all is nothing to do with my bias. It's that he entered the game after Tristan Ebner, which, again, he's a rookie running back. That's to be expected. But, like, I don't think we got new news on Roshan that's, like, great, right? Like, if he played earlier if he played with the starters that would be good news i'm not reacting to like a 19 yard run against backups even though i admit he, he looked really cool doing it Honestly, um, i'm reacting to it a little <laughs> bit just because <laughs> in the sense of like i'm just I, i'm just kind of holding steady on roshan he's not like yeah up for me but he's just like okay he wasn't with you know he's clearly got work to do but like then maybe he did do the work because look i mean the guys are watching these games we know from watching yeah. hard knocks and stuff that the coaches like to a level that is like frankly stupid care about who wins these games like they really care about like whether or not they're fourth or fifth dudes who will never play a snap for their team ever because they're all getting cut whether or not they like win these games like they're like really worked up about it they're like emotionally invested so i do think that like ripping off a long run can be helpful you know for a yeah. guy who but of course you need to what's the prior well the prior is like he was having a good training camp. He, they trust him as a pass blocker already. He like, you know, they seem interested in him having a role. And then he has this big long run. And it's like, okay, well, maybe that'll help. And then we get to see like next week, like, do they give him a little bit more run with, um, you know, ahead of Tristan Ebner, right? So, yeah, if, if they don't I think, though, yeah. I think that's meaningful. Yeah, and I think Ebner did actually get hurt in that game. So that that's okay. like a very small in, uh, injury to watch. Um, but anyways, uh, we're going to get started here. Um, as Fade My Takes mentions, Davis uh, Davis is being dropped in the rankings. He doesn't seem like he's getting playing times with the ones today. Or he's getting rested. 
He's getting or, yeah, he, yeah, he might. He might be resting him for the regular season appearance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's hard to say. We'll check. We'll check the injury news uh, on Davis there. <laughs> um, but it's twenty minutes past twelve. Where is Davis? <laughs> um, let's get started here, Davis. Uh, if you're watching, please come join us. For some reason, I feel like we're just going to see Davis like arguing in the chat halfway through the show. Um, <laughs> people like he normally does um he's probably let's see if liam's streaming he's probably arguing with him about dalton kincaid <laughs> he couldn't resist hopping in yeah yeah i don't know who is the davis handcuff we're, we're looking Ooh, strongly who is the davis that. handcuff i don't know uh pete peter gretch are usually pretty good contingent plays if uh one of us misses time yeah um, that's true but uh it's hard. He it's has hard standalone value as well. I mean, that guy's constantly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he has a lot of standalone value. A lot of standalone oh. value with Pete. Oh man. Okay. Anyways, so we're gonna get into the risers and fallers. I wanted to first plot some guys that actually don't pop as either major risers or fallers, but I think we got pretty big, uh, interesting news on some of these top 150 picks here. The first one, uh, Christian Kirk. So uh, setting the scene here, Kirk. Uh, again, you know, small sample size, but in around 12 snaps with the starters, uh, he was limited to three wide receiver sets only. Zay Jones was actually playing ahead of him in two wide receiver sets, which is interesting. Uh, this this nugget was from uh, Nathan Janke's uh, article on PFF. But Kirk did play ahead of Zay Jones in 12 personnel snaps last year. I think they were both playing a bunch of two wide receiver sets last year. But yeah, Kirk it wouldn't did. be ahead, right? It'd be, it'd be together. Yeah, but I think so. Marvin Jones played more snaps than you think. Um, and so Janky's article um, said that Kirk, I think, played in like 89% of 12 personnel snaps okay. last year, where Zay Jones only played in like 60%. So I think Zay Jones had a 92% route rate and Kirk had a 95% route rate. Okay. So, um, and, and Marvin Jones was at 76%. So I, what my take on it was that. Last year, and, and yeah, I mean, um, Jones was coming off a little bit more often than Kirk, yeah. so so I get that. But it, they were both like very like when you have ninety plus percent route participation, that is like elite for a wide receiver. I mean, you'll occasionally see like Jamar Chase is like ninety five percent plus. Some of these true true elites like never leave the field, but these were very much full time players last year, both Zay Jones and Christian Kirk. Yeah, they're very much full time players. So with the addition of Ridley, I think it is noteworthy that Kirk was limited to three wide receiver sets. Um, again, this nugget was from, from Janky's article, but I think it, it totally depends on the offense, but like a rough rule of thumb is you can think of like two wide receiver sets um, consisting of like 20% of fantasy production was the note he had in the article. So if a player is slot only, I think that kind of limits their, their upside because generally it's hard to be, you know, slot only players are generally only 80%, 75%, maybe, yeah. you know, could That's be right. 85% on a really, um, you know, three wide receiver set heavy offense, but they're more in that route range than yeah. uh, what Kirk and Jones were in last year. So yeah. Curious what you think between a guy yeah. who plays in the slot in three wide receiver sets and then moves to the outside in two wide receiver sets, which is kind of what Kirk was last year. Yeah. Like, being in slots fine, but you want the guys who are still going to be out there in two wide receiver sets. Otherwise, yeah, you drop from like a 90% to 75% route participation, something like that, which hurts. 
Yeah, it hurts. It doesn't like when you just say those numbers, it doesn't sound like a lot. And I, I know players who play only in the slot like can get there. But um, yeah, curious what you think on. So Kirk's ADP, Pat, he's around pick 51. I know a lot of sharp drafters like, uh, you know, the folks at ETR are really high on Kirk. Um, what are your thoughts? Are you reacting to this news at all that Kirk's only playing three wide receiver sets? Yeah, so my thing with – is I – when I try to, in, you know, interpret this information, I'm trying to think through, like, what what I thought – you know, what my prior was, but also, like, you know, if I had a guy ranked somewhere, why did I have him ranked there? And part of the reason that I, I kind of Kirk, like, fairly close to ADP, uh, I think it was a little behind, but I never really got it. Like I, I never got the bull case fully. Like he was more someone that I was like drafting um to respect the market and because I need a wide receiver in those ranges uh ranges sometimes. And then yeah, like sharp sites like ETR are have been very high on Kirk the whole time. But when I looked at Kirk, like when I was doing the walkthrough last year, he did not seem like he was really like ahead of Zay Jones. They seemed like very much kind of one A, one B. Um, and I don't have a very high opinion of Zay Jones. So that was a red flag, like in and of itself to me. I also have not been particularly impressed with Christian Kirk over his career. We weren't, you know, that excited about him as he entered, uh, the Jaguars. I mean, we are kind of got panned for, you know, getting overpaid. Like, I think he's like a fine talent, but not anyone I want to be like particularly invested in. Also, like, you know, if you think through what the fifth round it could really be for, it would be ideal to find someone who's going to be like an absolute smash there. What's up, Davis? Yo. Just, uh, hey, just, up, Davis? just dogging Christian Kirk. Um, <clears throat> I, I bumped Kirk, Kirk down pretty significantly just because I, I was like, okay, I don't think I've never been that into him. And I'm kind of like, well, the market likes him, some other sites like him. But if he's going to be like, a slot receiver, he's grossly overpriced. I think. So where did I, you I kinda, I where did you dock him to, Pat? Uh, just curious, like how far I docked did you him drop? to. I docked him to sixty in my in my pure ranks. He comes out at, the ADP keeps him just a bit higher in the ranks. Uh, he's at fifty nine. Yeah, because I think an interesting comp right to him when I was thinking about his price is like the Tyler Lockett JSN range because those are similar right. guys where they're on what we think are going to be really good offenses, but one of them is going to be a three wide receiver only player um, in all likelihood. You know, it might be different sections of the year where they're playing two wide receiver sets, whatever. But is that kind of the range where you're viewing Kirk now, like in the Tyler Lockett um, yes. zone? Okay. Yes. Got it. That's I have I actually have one spot behind. Kirk's Lockett. ADP was nonsensical to begin with because you basically, thought, yeah. you basically had to project this rise that like we all sort of think it's possible for Zaja or for Trevor Lawrence to throw for 4,900 yards and 40 touchdowns and like blow the NFL up. But the only way for Kirk to pay off at what he costed already was for that to happen. Like if you're doing or for Ridley, not to be it right. Ridley's. And I, and I guess that's what the ADP is baking in a little bit. Like the ADP is doing, I think it's doing a couple things. It's like baking in some chance of Lawrence going nuclear, some chance of Calvin Ridley being a guy who hasn't played football for two years and gets injured or just isn't as good. Right. Kirk kind of 
doing a, a segmented role. Like, cause remember in Arizona, how he would be useless for like eight weeks and then go, he would do, he would do like the Lee Evans, you know, he'd be four targets, three receptions, 120 yards and a touchdown. Like that was sort of like what he would do. And also Zay Jones not being targeted near as much, which we really haven't gotten any indication of. And then in the preseason, There's no indication of that. Yeah. We, we got the opposite indication, right? We got, yeah. we got that the team actually still really values Zay Jones. And for me, it's just like, I'm never clicking Kirk over Ayuk. I, I like Ayuk so much more, actually in a very similar way, where like the target role maybe week to week isn't super projectable, but I like the Ayuk ceiling more. Ayuk, I think, has more contingent value. And the both the Seattle guys, JSN and Lockett, I like them more as well. So he just felt like a bad click, and I barely have any of them, and I'm probably going to take less of him now. Yeah. yeah. I mean, okay. I have one of them because I – just get to a spot where you're like, I need a receiver and it wouldn't be terrible to have. Yeah. I had 6% Kirk. So I was like capitulating a little bit more, which now I regret, but yeah, I was always kind of like, felt like I was forced into it by the room when you just need that. It's like five Oh three and you really need a receiver. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I yeah. I, I think I, I don't have my exposures up right now. I think I was probably at market or slightly above market on Kirk. Um, for me, it was just, you know, he, he put up 1,100 yards and eight touchdowns last year. And I think I, I agree with what you're saying, like the narrative of Ridley coming in and taking snaps like that scared me a little bit. But it's also a guy who hadn't really played football in a couple of years. So I think in my drafts, I was just saying, you know what, what if Kirk can just be a little bit? What if, you know, Lawrence takes the jump? Kirk just maintains like this sort of, you know, quasi alpha uh, share of the team's offense, which he kind of did last year, right? Not, not a huge target alpha, but he was the leading target earner there. What if he just maintains that and the Jaguars get a lot better? I did sort of see the upside just for the overall offensive environment, but yeah, I'm a little, I'm a little concerned. Um, you know, it does make sense in two wide receiver sets. You know, when you get into the red zone that Zay Jones, he's a much bigger body uh, than Christian Kirk, probably um, a better blocker for those type of situations it does make sense that he might get squeezed out in some of those. So, um, yeah, I think it's fair. It's fair to dock Kirk. I still would probably, I view him similar to Lockett, JSN. I would, I, I wouldn't dock him much farther than that. I think he's sort of safely um, in a tier with those guys. In my I mind. guess the, the actually I'm thinking about it, and maybe I'd be more likely to draft him now because if he falls ten spots, I can see teams where I'm more likely to like. Or if he kind of gets into a spot where, like, you'll be at a turn and Kirk and Lawrence are going closer to each other, you know, so structurally it just makes sense. Like, I can see right. that happening, um, but just not Although a guy. Lawrence goes like, in the middle of the round, and now, right, doesn't he go in the middle? And then Ridley is now starting to creep up to the Lawrence, early. Lawrence is such a, a, a random faller. Like, I will be doing, like, I was yeah, doing, a, a, I was doing like, a DK $10 slow, and I opened up this morning the DK app was down and I thought I just autoed on like 20 drafts and I was oh, no. panicking, but I opened, they, they fixed it. It was, it ended up being okay, but I opened it up and I was like, I think I was on the clock at 86 and Lawrence was there. And I was like, well, wow. sure. I'll just take him. Like, I'll just take, yeah, like, yeah. I'll, I'll just, I'll take, I'll take Evan Ingram or tank Bigsby or whatever. Um, just cause I think 
quarterback fault. This is such a, a random point, but quarterback fallers on DraftKings like don't look that gift horse in the mouth because quarterbacks never room, fall on DraftKings. The room giveth and it'll take it away at, at quarterback. You will you so, will get locked out in draft of DraftKings. I, like I just took I just took Derek Carr at one twenty five and one because all the quarterbacks were gone and I was like I'm gonna get I'm gonna Sam Howell as my quarterback too if I don't do something mm. here. Mm. But it it'll, I think late quarterback on DraftKings if you get a a faller a 10 15 spot faller those are potentially very unique teams for the three week spread on DraftKings. yeah not to get sidetracked in this conversation but that's something i've started doing more this year where in the past like if i had you know naked burrow fall 20 picks past adp and i didn't have higgins or chase i'd be like oh that's a fish pick to take him now i'm kind of the, i'm that guy where if the quarterback falls like two rounds past adp i'm just saying like, assuming I didn't already draft Mahomes or Josh Allen or something like that, I'm just saying, you know what, I'll take Burrow and I'll get one of the cheapest, like, Burrow-Irv Smith stacks in the tournament. Like, that that could be viable, right? Like, so I think a lot of people would probably say that's dumb to do that. But once a, one of these elite pocket-passing quarterback falls, like, two rounds past ADP, I'm just, like, I'm just clicking it. I also think it's, it's important, not that you couldn't do that on underdog you certainly could but on DraftKings, like there is also this dynamic of the quarterbacks don't tend to drop and then you you will like you will get locked out at quarterback for real you will get like, locked yeah. out at quarterback yeah. and nothing feels worse than trying to save a draft with being like okay i'll take juju smith schuster and then i'll take mac jones and then i'll take like it's just a nightmare like i had nightmare, an underdog yeah. i had an underdog one this morning where like i got locked out like the two stacks I was setting up. And I, so I just like, this team is dead. Like, like it's just a bad team. It's, it's a just, bad. It's, and then it's like the teams, like there's a lot of the teams are bad because you look through and it's like, well, someone reached 10 picks for Geno Smith, even though I had JSN <laughs> and Lockett. I don't know why they did that, but that's it, you know? And then it's like, so I think if you're going to do that, DraftKings is, it's a very logical place to do it because, you know, you're protecting that team as well, in a sense. Um, you're, you're scooping a value, but you're also making sure you don't get locked out in a format where that, that can happen. Yeah. Let's move on here to Khalil Herbert. Uh, this is an interesting one. The The Bears starters only played seven snaps, um, but Herbert did play 100% of those snaps with the starters. Uh, the order of running backs entering the game, it was Herbert with the starters, then Foreman came on next, uh, then Tristan Ebner, who I believe left an injury, and then Roshan so that's sort of the default um you know as of now ordering in the Bears backfield um, I thought this one was notable because it was talked about how Herbert and Foreman were rotating with the ones but uh there were multiple drives the starters got admittedly they were short drives because there were huge plays from uh, both Herbert and DJ Moore in this one so not a ton of snaps but Herbert did seem to have sort of a lock on the snaps with the stars in this one uh, Davis, what are your thoughts on Khalil Herbert uh, coming out of this game? Are you moving him up at all based on this sort of small sample of snaps? So this is the kind of stuff I actually am taking note of. Like, I think there's some preseason stuff you should take note of, some stuff like the Eagle stuff that, we'll, that we will get into. It's like, well, actually, if you look at them in the preseason's past, like they've done weird stuff like this. And then Sirianni said after the game, like, oh, I want all these guys to get tackled before week one, whatever. But... I think it's like a, just a pretty clear signal from a Bears staff that's like trying to figure out how to actually have a good offense, like a functional offense, that Herbert played all the snaps with Fields, got a design target. I don't care what he did with it. I mean, I guess it's better for him to score a long touchdown than to like fall over and fumble or whatever, but that's not really what you care about. Um, and that Foreman was playing with the straight backups, 
and Roshan, who I still love and still think is going to play a role, was playing with like the third stringers for a little bit, like all that stuff. Um, I, I think cumulatively you look at it all, it's a clear signal that Herbert is the guy they plan on giving the work to early. Now, does that mean he's going to retain it all year? Does that mean if he blows up, you know, he gets fields killed three times in pass protection that they're not going to change something? No, but it is, I think, relevant information that they view him as the primary running back to start the season. I think that, cause we didn't really know. I mean, I, I think yeah. we just really did not know how they viewed these guys. Like Foreman playing in the second quarter is to me matters. Yeah, it matters to me too. Um, <clears throat> I moved up Herbert a fair amount. I don't think you want to get carried away. Cause I do think there's like, what does this mean? It means that he's likely the number one back to start the year. But that does not mean that he's going to keep the job, right? Roshan could come in and through the pass protection side of things, get on the field and then look good as a rusher and kind of come in and eat that rushing work over the course of the year. Because Herbert, a red flag for him is that he he's not a great pass protector. There's all these stories about yeah. how he's, you know, been been boxing and stuff to try to get better at pass protecting. Like, I don't know, maybe that'll work, maybe it won't. But you know, there's a reason they're talking about it because it, it's a reason to take him off the field. And I think odds are they probably will use Roshan or someone else as a pass protector. And that gives someone else an opportunity to come take this job over the course of the year. And so you want to keep that in the back of your mind when you're when you're thinking about selecting Herbert. But like Herbert versus A.J. Dillon. Don't I want Herbert if I need early season production? Mm, no, because the Dylan thesis is so clear. The Dil the Dylan thesis is that he runs hot on touchdowns. That that this coaching staff just gives him a shit ton of short yardage work. I'm not saying I'm not saying it. I mean that was the thesis last year, and it didn't play out, and he's a lot cheaper. But also, I mean, I think the Packers are just going to run the. Air They're going to run a lot. They're going to run a lot, and the Bears are going to run a lot too. But you also got to segment out. 30% of that production to the starting quarterback, which you don't have to do with the Packers. Sure. But I mean, like if I'm, if I have, if I need an RB two, you know, I'm already if you thinking have, if you have Brees Hall and Alvin Kamara, if I have Brees Hall and Alvin Kamara, or if I just have Brees Hall, or if I just have, you know, even if I just have like Austin Eckler and I just punted RB two, because guys like Samaji P Ryan are jumping up in my mind. Like, do I want Samaji P Ryan or AJ Dillon? And, you know, P Ryan goes quite a bit after, but to me, I'm like, I want Herbert. I want Herbert over Dylan. Anytime I need those running back points um, early in the season. Cause I think you can count like, at least he gives, I think he's going to give you that. Maybe it's only for a couple weeks, but that's, that's helpful. It's hard so, to Yeah. It's hard to see him losing the job before week one at this point, unless he gets injured, right? Like he's going to get the first crack at it in 95% of scenarios at this point, I think. Um, it is, it is tough, right? Like Dylan and Charbonnet, those are two guys I was thinking of. Like I see how the nut upside case for those two guys is higher because, you know, they're more proven as pass catchers. You know, they're in offenses where I think the total pie of running back points is probably higher than in Chicago in an offense with Justin Fields scrambling and not really checking down much of the running back. So I think the nut ceiling for Dylan and Charbonnet is higher, but like the 60 to 85% outcomes I think are now like firmly better for Herbert uh I would yeah. think so 
that that's a it's a but tough how one, much but I think how much contingent be... value how much contingent value does AJ Dillon have if Aaron Jones gets hurt because they they're a lot. they're a ton, they're third a ton. their yeah. third running backs are Tyler Goodson and Patrick Taylor who are and those guys are in like a camp battle like the coaching staff clearly doesn't feel good about either one of them like AJ Dillon could be he really AJ Dillon is sort of like um uh, reverse osmosis Tony Pollard where he's like maybe the more talented guy in his backfield but instead of being the the satellite back he's like the grinder back but the the continued value is sort of similar I think he's reverse Tony Pollard in the sense that like he should be the best back in his backfield because he's good but Aaron Jones is good and Zeke was not good <laughs> that's, right, uh, sure. that's, sort of, yeah. that's sort of the issue yeah 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 it's an interesting one though I, I do think Herbert should rise and I think you know, I was kind of considering the Charbonnet, um, uh, Walker, sorry, Charbonnet, Dylan tier ahead of Herbert firmly. Now I think I have them all grouped together. And That's I think what it I, matters. I brought him up. I, I, I think, have yeah. one spot behind Dylan, but if I needed the early season production, I would just take Herbert. Yeah. Let's talk Jalen Warren here. Uh, this is another really interesting situation. So the Steelers played, I believe, two series with the offense uh, in preseason week one, and they split the snaps pretty dead uh, down the middle between Jalen Warren and Najee Harris. Out of 10 snaps, Warren actually played six, and Najee played four. Uh, similar amounts of route runs, targets. Um, anyways, obviously a really small sample, but this, I think, is a pretty um, – noteworthy item here because I think it is a signal that I, you know, I don't expect Warren to be leading this committee 60, 40. I do think pretty strongly now, whereas last year Najee started as sort of the clear workhorse back and Warren really had to fight to carve out a role by the end of the year. I think this year it's going to start like much closer to, uh, you know, maybe a 60, 40 committee in favor of Najee, something along those lines. So um, I think this is pretty notable. Uh, Pat, have you moved up Jalen Warren? I, I imagine you were already pretty high on him. Has this sort of um, got him any higher in your rankings than he was before? Yeah, I mean, it's sort of like my rankings um, incorporate ADP. So we're at this point where like, like, did I move him up? Yeah, like I moved him up, but you're not going to, you're not going to really even know about it unless the market gets, gets wild because he yeah. was already ahead of ADP significantly. And now it's just a little further. So um, I, I mean, I've, I've been kind of, there's sort of like a narrative with Najee, like some of the pushback of like, oh, like they're going to ride him. Like they, they don't want to, he was, he was hurt last year. Jalen Warren didn't play as much as you think he did. Yada, yada. Yeah. But like, I think that, you know, if, if that's kind of where you're at, I would recommend just like going and looking at Najee's snap share from his rookie season where he played 84% of snaps. And then going and looking at last year's snap share where he played 66% of snaps and wonder, you know, if maybe, maybe that Najee, they're going to ride Najee thesis is as strong as you think, because he, he they was already hurt, have, he was hurt. He had to lose Frank, bro. Yeah. Come well, on, he's bro. been hurt every, both of his, bro, seasons. please, that's what, bro, that's what please. We got last he was year hurt, too, bro, please. He was bro. Please. I'm telling you, please. He remember he was hurt, hurt his rookie he year hurt. too. And yeah. yeah. Um, I think Warren is going to be. I think he'll have a role. I mean, I think he's going to be a backup in a sense and, and kind of rotate in, but you're getting in best ball, the potential for um, a few catches, maybe a touchdown, right? Cause he is coming in and, and he's the, he's the best pass protector on the team. Um, and he's big enough. He's like 215 pounds where maybe he gets in the end zone for you a couple of weeks. It is mostly a contingent play still. Like I don't think anything's really changed. Like I still am skeptical that he takes the job. I think he's the better back and I don't, really 
see any evidence to the contrary, to be honest. But I don't think the Steelers are going to just give him the job. Like that's, that would definitely be pretty surprising given what we know about the NFL. Yeah. Davis, yes. you have any thoughts on Jalen Warren? Well, so what I thought, well, okay. So the original thesis and Gretch has written about this and we've talked about it here is that like year three is kind of the year when you give up on just giving rookies, the highly drafted rookies playing time, just because you spent a first round pick on them. It's what happened to Clyde over to last year. That's sort of the base case for just not giving Najee the touches. But then the other thing that was interesting was that, uh, and, and this could just be a preseason experiment and it could totally change when the bullets start flying, is that Najee stayed, he came off the field on two long down distance snaps, but then they also played Jalen Warren on a first and 10, which they very rarely did last year. So maybe more of like a rotational style basis where it's not, okay, Najee's the grinder and Jalen Warren is um, the the scat back, but actually we just play these two guys both, and it just sort of doesn't matter. Um, yeah, that's why, I mean, my highest drafted guy last year was Rashad White, and part of it is that I got to bet against uh, an incumbent starter who I thought was looking pretty vulnerable in Leonard Fournette. Part of it is that I was getting to bet on a guy who can catch passes, but the other big part of it is that Rashad White is 217 pounds. Jalen Warren is 215 pounds. He's 5'8". He's a short guy, but he's he's compact. He he packs a punch. Like We are getting not a scat back here. We're getting a guy who can rotate series, you know? So yeah. maybe that's the outcome we get here like we got with Rashad White last year. By the end of the season, they were fully rotating series. Um, makes Najee a, a very dangerous pick, I think, in the same way Fournette was last year. And, like, Rashad White didn't really pay off in a huge way last year. I think he had a below-average advance rate, like, ninth-round ADP. But Warren is cheaper. And also, like, I feel good about making that bet. Like, if I can make the bet where the guy forces his way into, like, a split by the end of the year and the contingent the contingent value never materializes, like, oh, well. You know, it's not always going to materialize. But I, I think it's there. Well, the contingent value doesn't materialize a lot of the time. I think that is like a, a Reeves actually is the most intelligent guy. Like when I do drafts of him at realizing this, that like we can wish cast on all these guys, but like the contingent value, you you know, your, your Tony Pollard comes in and scores 30 points for three games or Alexander Madison gets two spot starts against the Lions. Like those are truly best case scenarios. Like one starters don't get injured in a way that you anticipate. Like it just doesn't happen like not every running back gets hurt. And then also, you know, you, you get your Isaiah Crowell's and your Amir Abdullah's, you know, coming in there to, to steal snaps here and there a little bit. The The nice thing about Warren is that I think he, he does have both though. He's got a little bit of standalone and he's got quite a good bit of, you know, of, of contingent value because they don't really seem to like McFarlane and Snell's not even on the roster anymore and stuff like that. Yeah, there's been some very minor Anthony McFarland buzz this offseason, but it's like, guys, he's been on the roster. He'll make the roster. He's been on the roster for four years now and has like barely played. Like, I, I'm not, yeah, I think what you said, Pat, is true. Like, the positive buzz on him is like, meaning he's going to make the roster, not that he's due for any type of role. You know, we saw last year, it was very much, I think Warren missed uh, a little bit of time and that's when Snell uh, factored in last year, but it was very strictly a two man backfield last year for like the entire season. Besides, I think a couple games where Jalen Warren was banged up besides that it was Najee Jalen Warren, nobody else. 
which I think you love to see. We never really got to see um, if the contingent upside case became a reality because right. Najee didn't miss any time. But I feel pretty good um, about it, given that Jalen Warren has shown, you know, he's a big back. He's shown he can do a little in the passing game. Um, you know, I think he can handle the short yardage. So um, and there's I feel a price like pretty good about it. There's a price at which, like, he better be the Alexander Madison level backup. You know, like, and that, yeah. that price is probably he's, like he's, in the, he's get he's getting there. He's getting I mean, there. He, it's trending that direction. Yeah, but he's but he's I don't think he's there yet. Like, if you're taking him in even the eleventh round, which is you're probably you're reaching ahead of ADP to take him in the eleventh. Well, I think I if he gets to that range of guys we were just talking about, the Herbert yeah. Charbonnet yeah, yeah, yeah. Dylan range, like then I think he's like a bad click. Yeah, like I feel comfortable drafting him ahead of. Damian Harris. Maybe we'll talk about that situation later. I feel comfortable drafting him ahead of Jamal Williams. You know, I think it would have to get up to like, I guess maybe I'm low on Pirine, so I'm not a good data point for that. But I think like him versus Pirine, like what's really the difference there? I mean, I think I'd prefer Warren. Pirine's going to play. Pirine's going to play a lot, I think. I guess. But Javante's already like fully. It's what do you need? Cleared for contact. Like, I don't know. He's going to play a bit, but like. Later in the season, who do I think has a better chance of playing a lot? I think yeah. it's really close. And then it's like yeah. Steelers offense versus Denver's offense. I don't know. It's close. It's, it's, it's probably, close probably a wash. Like probably, yeah, yeah. probably a wash. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's talk Rondell here. Um, this one. So this one's interesting. Uh, a couple things to talk through. One, a lot of the Cardinals' key starters sat out the game. I don't believe due to injury, just uh, rest for the key starters. That was James Conner, um, uh, Marquise Brown, and Trey McBride all didn't play. They just got the day off. So I think those guys are like key locked in, you know, starters in the offense, which we all expected. Then the other wide receivers that played, it was Michael Wilson and Zach Pascal on the outside, and Rondell Moore was limited to slot only. He did, you know, the one positive note, um, sorry, Davis, he did play pretty clearly ahead of our guy, Greg Dorch. So at least yeah, appears in I've, the slot. I've completely, I've completely capitulated on Dorch. I think I've taken Michael Wilson in every draft I've done yeah. for the last four days. Yes. I, I, I'm i like go. working my way up to like 16%. Michael Wilson, I, I am, I'm done. I'm done with the Dorch takes. I yeah. love it. Anyways, so I think that's interesting. And so there, there's two reasons I'm out on more at his price one i think baked into his price a little bit was the chance that he played in two wide receiver sets last year he actually did do that quite a bit despite his size so i was like okay he did it last year maybe he can do it again this year the preseason usage was really bearish for him on that and then number two i think there's some chance that it could be in three wide receiver sets at least in for some percentage of three wide receiver sets it could be marquise brown in the slot and then pascal and michael wilson on the outside because Marquise Brown has always been a guy who gets a lot of play in the slot and three wide receiver sets. So I don't think that's going to be like the base rotation for them, but I don't think it's a situation where we can say more is projected for a hundred percent of the snaps in three wide receiver sets, particularly by the end of the year. You know, they do seem to like Zach Pascal on the outside and maybe they prefer that alignment. So to me, it's just, I don't know. I do get like the targets for route run stuff with more. I get, we liked him as a prospect, but man, we're, we're paying a pretty high price for a guy who looks like at best a slot only wide receiver on the Clayton tune led Arizona Cardinals. And I'm just like, man, give me Michael Gallup. Give me Darnell Mooney. Give me Jacoby Myers. Even give me, you know, guys going later, Marvin Mims, Jonathan Mingo. Like I just don't mm -hmm. get why we have to pay this much of a premium for the slot only wide receiver on the Arizona Cardinals. It, it, you know, even DPJ, like why should DPJ go 
30 picks later than Rondell Moore. Like, that's a much better offense. I think DPJ there's actually a chance. Just like, can we stop with them? I don't know. I just he is, he might lose the job is why yeah. by the end of the year. Uh, Rondell, like, I if Rondell ends up at like wide receiver 65, I'll probably just draft him. Like, I, I don't know. He's like Rondell just so is what he is. He's gonna have a bunch of he's gonna have a bunch of bad games, and you just need him to do three <clears> like sick. Rondell Moore things like his first career start he scored a 75 yard touchdown against the Vikings like just do that for me three times and he's a good pick yeah I I do think that where he was going um and even where he currently still is going isn't is bad because if you're taking a receiver there you probably need that receiver yes that's that's a good like your wide receiver five probably you know like if you're going receiver there you're like oh I better take care of this before it gets really ugly. Like, well, guess what? It already did get ugly because you're taking a guy who's a slot receiver. It's a great point with Marquise Brown. That had not, I haven't heard anyone bring that up. That had not occurred to me, but yeah, he's played 30% of his career snaps in the slot, 35% last year. Uh, We heard for a while that Zach Pascal was, was like a guy who was going to be somewhat involved, seemed to be ahead of Dorch as the wide receiver four. It would not be surprising if they used him on the outside so they could move Brown into the slot. They don't trust more on the outside. You got to keep the spirit of Cliff Kingsbury alive by playing like a slow guy who earns no yeah. targets ahead of like the young fast play. Who is the, he was an old Texas, <laughs> Andre, Andre Bacalia was playing uh, was playing like 70% of the snaps ahead of Dorch and Rondale at one point. Oh, God. oh who was the other guy? Antoine Wesley. Antoine was, Wesley, yes. because yes, he that was, a, was it. That was it. Yeah. There we go. It's, he was a Texas tech guy that Cliff recruited back in the day. But you know, it's a similar thing because Wesley was playing on the outside. Um, yep. Yeah. And they didn't want to play Rondale more on the outside. And so like, basically like anyone in the NFL is eligible to play ahead of Rondale more on the outside is the problem. Cause he's, he's very he's small. Closer. It makes sense. Right? Like, yeah. So, so yeah, I, I think, I think, yeah, you don't want to be drafting Rondo Moore where he's going right now. I've lowered him substantially. Um, and again, partly because like he, he wasn't really priced as a, okay, I guess we'll see what, what we get out of this dude. And, and how high is the ceiling, right? Like if I want ceiling, yeah, why don't I just take Marvin? Not Mims? a great ceiling. You yeah. know, why, why wouldn't I take Jonathan Mingo? Why, like, let me actually bet on a rookie who could emerge down the stretch into a big role. I don't think I have that with more like he's capped in terms of his, his snaps probably. Yeah. Yeah. I never really, I, I never really got it with more. I think there was a brief period where people brought up, look, he did play in two wide receiver sets last year, but man, anything Cliff Kingsbury did last year, I'm kind of throwing out in the garbage with this no coaching staff. Like I don't think using Rondell Moore on the outside and two wide receiver sets was a successful way to run an offense. It certainly didn't work very well last year for the Cardinals. So I'm kind of, I'm kind of tossing that data point out. Let's and move on here. It's been tearing up camp. Like they yeah. the beat writers are like, he is the dude. Like he's playing on the outside. If he's not, maybe Pascal starts week one or something on the outside, but he's holding the job for Wilson. Like there's a guy they like on the outside alongside Brown, which again is like you it just it I don't know. I don't I don't really it's very difficult to see how on earth Rondo Moore would, would not just be a slot only guy. Yeah, at this point. It's hard, it's hard to see. And the price again, slot only guys, like you know, I compared him to Hunter Renfro in a tweet. Maybe that was like a bit of an exaggeration, but it's like that's if you want like a locked in slot only guy, like you can get that like very late in drafts. Like I don't get why. Again, Rondell, you can say he has more upside than Hunter Renfro, whatever. 
Matt Hunter Renfro put up a thousand. I mean, Rondell has zero two, two seasons thousand ago. yard like, seasons. Run, Renfro yeah. has a thousand yard season. Yeah. Renfro's yeah. pretty good. I take Renfro yeah. sometimes. I never tell anyone about it, but, but yeah. I do it. I think I think Renfro is a Chad pick, honestly. I like Renfro. He was a. I took him whenever two years ago when he absolutely smashes because it's like, hey man, if I'm what, buying the the slot only Chad archetype pick in this context. Like Chad pick is being like, I don't care what fucking virgins on Twitter say when I screenshot my teams. Like I think Renfro, like I think Renfro might be better than Jacoby Myers. You th- okay? It's a high Ren- Hunter Renfro. Is <laughs> a, a high team in this context. In this context, because it's it's anti cabal. It's anti. It's anti the best ball thought leader. You know, like anytime, like like no one posts screenshots of their teams being like, I took Najee Harris and Miles Sanders on this team. And I and everyone's like, yes, sick, dude. Like the people who draft those guys don't share their teams. You know, it's like it's like it's like they don't want to. They they're they're not involved in the conversation. They get shamed. I've been consistently ahead of ADP on Hunter Renfro, and I'm at nine percent on Underdog. So, uh, yeah, I'm just just I'm just we love to see my it. life, dude. High T. That's the advice. You know, if you're gonna take slot only guys on bad offenses, you know, take them take them in the sixteenth round, not in uh, not in the eleventh and twelfth. Good advice. Let's go to the biggest risers here. Kareem Hunt tops the list. I don't really want to talk about that because I don't really get it. Yeah, don't um, don't do this. This is stupid. Like, don't. Yeah, he's probably gonna sign somewhere, but no. Nope. Anyways, there there is a there is a takeaway here, which is that Kareem Hunt could literally like sign as like the fifth running back on I don't know what's the most crowded running back depth chart in the um, league. Like and he could sign for the, the Buccaneers or something. <laughs> yeah. 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 The Bucks. Yeah. 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 He could, he, yeah. The Eagles, the Bucks, whatever. And his ADP would move up by 10 spots. Like yeah. if you're, cause you're seeing, and this is relevant because Zeke falls in drafts. Now Fournette falls in drafts. Now they've all, they've all met with teams. They've all been interested in playing football this year. Um, Hunt was actually the one I was worried about because I hadn't heard anything about him. Now he's looking like very likely to play this year. These guys are all unlikely to Will Fuller us, and they're all going to move up a lot in ADP when they sign with someone. As Hunt, I mean, Hunt going to the Saints was like before this Miller stuff was like a worst case scenario. It's like there's a starter, there's a young guy, there's a guy they signed to be the fill in dude. Like, why would we even want Hunt? if he's with the saints, but yet his ADP moved up. Yeah, that's true. It doesn't matter. That's a lesson. It doesn't matter the landing spot. I think Hopkins is a good example of this too. Probably one of the worst landing spots in Tennessee yeah. for him. Right. And he, I think moved slightly up or at least stayed put even when there was, you know, upside outcomes on the table, like the chiefs and the bills that could have sent his ADP skyrocketing. Anyways, it's, it's weird how the markets react uh, to this stuff. Reminder, this is not uh, like the stock market, guys. There's still some weird, inefficient behavior in these markets. So. And, yeah, and, there's not bots, just... Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't remember who made this point, but it's so smart. It might have been one of you guys. I don't, but like the idea we'll of like... Take I, credit. I, I draft teams, not exposures, you know? Like that, that oh. seems sort of relevant. Yeah. Like, sure, maybe you get... Maybe you get a shit ton of closing line value on Kareem Hunt, but then like you've got Kareem Hunt on your teams, and he might like just be. Yeah, now you have Kareem Hunt. Like, <laughs> yeah, what yeah. do you do with that? Congrats, congrats! You won the CLV lottery. You have to use <laughs> Kareem Hunt's points all year. <laughs> yeah, don't don't search uh, for Julio. My Julio Jones CLV takes in August last year. I think Pat, you oh, might yeah. have uh, walked on that grenade with me, but. Oh, I, was I was there. Spending, I was. I was happy. Oh, I had some victory laps in like July when he signed with the Bucks. I'm like, look at the CLV value. Uh, 
surprisingly, didn't win any money on those Julio Jones teams. I don't know. I don't know what happened, but the I'm one thing that into it. Look, if we're all going to step on, you know, Leonard Fournette landmines, what I will say is, at least you won't draft any tenth round Leonard Fournette. You know, when he signs with whatever team, like you're going to yeah. have all the Leonard Fournette you need. You're going to have all the Zeke Elliott you need, right? So someone's going to be drafting. 10th 11th round Zeke when he signs somewhere right it won't be you at least if you get it now now you will have a dead roster spot where you drafted him, <laughs> but, but at least you won't take him in the 11th yeah it's good advice anyways let's let's talk tank Dell this one is a little convoluted so I'll try we, to we got we got this is yeah. the pursuit this... of slappiness pick of the year that yeah, that amazing yeah. video that, that amazing so video that Lou made he needs to he needs to do a remix with showing screenshots of Tank Dell at a pick 136. Like, <laughs> guys, he's fun. He's got a cool name. He was so good in college. We are talking about like a, a like Tutu Atwell, but maybe the wide receiver five on the Houston Texans. Like, Go on. I know, I know he's fun. <laughs> I know he's fun. But this this ain't it, Chief. Yeah, like he this he is... literally, I think, is the wide receiver five on the Texans, even after his good preseason game. And I know he scored a touchdown, but the touchdown was an accident. It, it was, was an like accident. a bobble. Yeah, it was like a ball. Yeah, but look like... what that did for Sky Moore. He's a starter now. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Also, his second biggest highlight of of the night was like um like a screen like a slant uh pattern in like prevent coverage where literally he didn't even have to run a route like he just had to run wide open and then he took it like 20 yards like down the field it's like th this is like the preseason highlight overreaction i think it was also that this was the first preseason game so it got a lot of like spotlighted attention yeah, totally um this this is bad guys so no okay I'll, I'll break it down a little bit why davis is saying he's the wide receiver five because that might seem outlandish but i think it's actually like close to the correct take um, Noah Brown, which is surprising, and Robert Woods both got the night off, which I think actually suggests they're like locked in starters. Um, surprising with Brown makes sense with Woods. Uh, Nico and Tank Dell uh, and John Mechie were the three wide receivers that played with the starters in the preseason game. So I think my you know lean right now would be it's Nico Woods and Noah Brown are this is the starting three wide receiver set for the Texans with Mechie and Dell kind of competing for that wide receiver force slot to start the year. Again, if you want to take Dell with your 18th round pick, I think that's totally fine. I was doing that a little bit. Yeah, that's totally fine. Yeah. Yeah. The rise in ADP, like this isn't a guy that I'm I'm chasing. I guess 193, sure. That if you take I him like, there, but I like Michael Wilson a lot more yes, and yes, extremely yes. unpopular take. Like everyone's gonna turn the stream off right now. I, I think Tyquan Thornton is a better pick than him too. Well, you are. That is a bad. That's. <laughs> thank, thank you, Tim. Wait, how are you? I, I move. I removed Tyquan Thornton from my two fifty. I think it's over. I yeah. I don't think. I don't think it's over. I don't I mean, think it's yeah. over. The, the Patriots have just have such a lack of got like the. I've said this quote on shows a billion times about the Patriots, and it remains true even after they had an entire offseason to try and fix it. If NFL teams were to line up their 53 guys and run a relay race. The Patriots would finish dead last. It's still true. They still don't have anyone who's fast. They don't have anyone who's explosive. Taekwon is the only guy on their offense who is fast. And I think that over the Born course is of the explosive. season. Born's explosive. They just have hated him. He's, and we forget. he's like, all, yeah, I mean, he's a billion years old and he, he'll get benched. Like, So I don't know that this might be a little like Belichick 
doghouse stuff, but the preseason suggested that Taekwon was the wide receiver six on the team. So Juju, Devontae, <laughs> Juju, Devontae, and Bourne all rested. And then Booty and Demario Douglas started ahead of Keyshawn Booty is ahead of them on the depth. Yeah, right I'm now. old so, enough. I'm old enough to remember doing this with enough Patriots guys in the preseason. Little little bit of Zach Sudfeld, anyone? Um, who is the who is no. the, the UD who is the UDFA Pat? <laughs> Who is the, the UDFA wide receiver that everyone lost their goddamn minds about? I mean, there was like, I want to say 20 wrote of his articles about this guy. You're not talking about Malcolm Mitchell, are you? No, no, no he no. was a he third was, round pick he, or something. He was an undrafted free agent who had like a good preseason game and a good camp and he never played. This would have been, this would have been like 2014 Patriots. I don't remember. Anyway, anyways, like I, I'm well, kind I probably of played you. over Stedman Bailey. The Patriots can't draft wide receivers. For Ken Brell Tompkins. Ken Brell Tompkins. Tompkins. That's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. I mean, okay, that's fair. But, like, we're not talking about Demario Douglas, who is that guy, who yeah. probably is ahead of Tyquan Thornton, but, like, maybe isn't, right? Because it could be his preseason hype. He could be Ken Brell Tompkins. But we're not saying draft that dude. We're just saying, like, yet again, the Patriots seem to be, like, very suspect of a super suspect prospect that they overdrafted. Um, Tyquan Thornton was not a very good prospect. He was fast, and that was like really the only thing you could say for him, other than he was a second round pick. He was not efficient last year, and he now appears to have tumbled down the Patriots depth chart. I mean, like, I'm not who saying, scores more I'm points saying, this year, Tyquan Thornton or Mac Hollins? Hollins, <laughs> pretty easily Hollins, isn't it? The answer yeah, is I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not drafting Hollins. That, man, but, Hollins, he, his preseason photos, he, he looks pretty. Looks pretty big out there. I think, I think, that's that's the guy he, currently at 250 right now in my ranks. So uh, right <laughs> now I have Hollins ranked and Thornton not. I take some round 20 Thornton on DraftKings. I'm not taking that's either fine. of these guys on underdog now because I'm just I literally every time I start my drafts, I I do I do the star method and I star Kenneth Gainwell and I star Michael Wilson so I don't forget to take them. No, oh dude, that's super smart. I forgot. Yeah, I need it's, to be doing it's, that. It's really important to do with risers because someone might just snap them yeah. off on you, yeah. you know? Um, so, like, I take round 13, Kenneth Gainwell. I don't care. I take round 17, Michael Wilson. I don't care. I'm taking these guys. Yeah, we'll get to Gainwell, the Eagle stuff. Let's talk quickly on Musgrave. He's slightly ahead of Gainwell in the risers. Um, this this is pretty straightforward. He just played all the stats with the starters, played pretty clearly ahead of Tyler Kraft, Tyler Croft, Tucker Kraft. I forget. Tucker Kraft. Tucker Kraft. He's all these tight ends sound the same to me. The, the one thing I'll note um, <laughs> is Josiah DeGuara, who played like a limited role for the Packers last year, was out due to injury. So, like, hmm. I think that adds like a tiny bit of uncertainty into like maybe DeGuara plays a little bit and they have some role for him. But, anyways, I think it's, I'm not really. I'm just mentioning that as sort of like a, a footnote. I really do think this is the Luke Musgrave uh, show in Green Bay, and I'm I'm pretty happy drafting him where he goes. Like I think you're getting a starting tight end, um, you know, 17th, 18th round, who you know, second round pick, elite athlete. Uh, I think there's some upside there. So I have, you know, I'm slightly overweight on Musgrave, but yeah, curious how you guys are playing that situation. I got I got no issues. Yeah. It's seems, a catch-up situation for me. Smart. Yeah, same. Agreed. Yeah, I was out on Musgrave earlier because I was like, to me, he's not as good of a prospect as the other highly drafted guys because we never really got the production from him. We had like one – it's like literally two games. He had like a couple good games to close his career. And 
Then he got hurt. Um, he, and then he's super athletic. And then he had the draft capital. And he's kind of like a field, like a seam stretcher type of guy, which is an interesting archetype of tight end for sure. So there's like reasons to be interested, but I was like, I don't know. They drafted Kraft too. Like, is he even going to play that much? The answer to that question seems to be yes, he's going to play. And now, now I want to be in. I, I'm ahead of ADP on him slightly um, in the rankings now, and I'm trying to make sure I have some exposure. We recently took him in a main event draft, um, actually ahead of Mayer. Yeah, um, which Liam, is not something Liam I was, was doing before this. Liam was writing hard for Luke Musgrave, and and Kyle and I said, "No, we want to play. We want we want Hunter Henry." And so our DMs were just nothing. DM showing us like 1.8 DraftKings points for for Luke Musgrave, just being like, "You guys are idiots, dude! Can't believe you made me take Hunter Henry." <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I, I don't want to. I'll probably end up underweight Musgrave overall, but I don't want to be. He's not someone I want to fade position on because like. I don't really think Romeo Dobbs is that good. I'm not sure if Jaden Reed is that good. And Christian Watson is very good at a thing, but I don't know if Jordan Love is going to be all that great at deep passing. And I don't know how complete Christian Watson is. So there could be targets available here too. Like the starting tight end for the Packers could be like pretty interesting. If it's clearly Musgrave, then yeah, that's someone I might need to like scramble to, to get a little more exposure to. Yeah. I'm with you. Um, I like the upside for Musgrave and yeah, the backdoor stack element too. I've been, you know, put into some corners where the Jordan Love, Jaden Reed, Luke Musgrave stack kind of comes together then in drafts. And I, I kind of like that from upside perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, who knows what we're getting with Love, but I think there's at least some uh, juice in a good season for Jordan Love in Green Bay. So let's talk the Eagles running backs. Um, I think people are probably generally familiar with this, but basically what happened, um, both Boston Scott and Kenny Gainwell got the veteran rest treatment for the preseason that normally suggests that they're ahead on the depth chart of newcomers, DeAndre Swift and Rashad Penny. Uh, for During the game, Swift played the first series, I believe, maybe the first two series, I'll look into it, and then Penny played a quarter after that. So if you just kind of take it at face value, that would suggest the depth chart would be, you know, Gainwell, Scott, Swift, Penny. I think it's still very up in the air. You know, I don't think that's locked in. But, yeah, pretty clear to me that Gainwell, at least, is a pretty massive value where he's going. I'm curious, Davis, you said mentioned your high on Gainwell. How high would you vault Gainwell up, up draft boards and keep chasing well, this rise? So he was already my most drafted player on DraftKings, and nice. I think he was my most dra- yeah he's my most drafted player on underdog as well so i already really liked him wow but that's awesome. so really it was it was just an indication that my base thought was right which was that this team is not planning on giving deandre swift 200 touches like maybe he will get 200 touches so i but i actually think it's less about swift and it's more about penny which is that Rashad Penny was playing in the second quarter with uh, I don't even know who the other quarterback is for the Eagles or whatever, but like the Penny thing seems tenuous. Now to credit the Swift drafters and the Penny drafters and stuff, Nick Sirianni did say after the game, I don't want the first time that these guys get tackled to be in week one Swift or uh, Scott and Gainwell are going to play next week or whatever. Now, The other thing that literally no one wants to talk about is that these annoying Eagles beat writers, specifically Elliot Shore Parks, who is like one of the worst beat writers ever, 
but he, he will not stop talking about Trey Sermon. Just will not stop with the Trey Sermon stuff. There, there is at least a chance, uh, let's call it 10%, that Trey Sermon makes the team over Rashad Penny and that the team creates a phantom injury for Trace or for uh for Penny and puts him on the designated for return IR. It's it's enough that my base thought on Gainwell, I think, was right, which was that he's the most familiar with the offense, he's the most familiar with the playbook. He played more snaps than Miles Sanders in the Super Bowl, so he's gonna play. And the penny stuff is less locked in than the market was expecting beforehand. Yeah, the Gainwell, like <clears throat> I was into him. Um one the guy in my Discord kind of got me to rethink that a couple months ago. I was like, I was very into him pre-draft, and then I was like, oh, I guess you know it's not going to happen. And then it's like, you know, he's he's very cheap and he's good. Um, but I I was at I'm at twelve percent now on underdog and fifteen percent on DraftKings. But honestly, I feel like I would really like some more. Um, and I've been over the weekend. I was I was reaching for him, getting him in like the twelfth round. Um, if I needed to trying to push the 13th, but then he, he was getting sniped for me sometimes. So that's kind of where I ended up on him. Like I'm, I'm kind of willing to push him up a decent amount because yeah, I think you're getting some kind of role from a player who I think is good on a good offense. And that's right. Like I think Kenneth Gainwell's good. I just was really worried about how much playing time he was going to get. And, and he goes ahead of running backs who are on bad offenses or offenses that are, don't project to be anywhere near as efficient as Philadelphia. That's, that's part of it for me. Yeah. Um, like, let's see here. He goes directly ahead of Devin Singh or yeah, he goes directly behind Kendra Miller. Who's dead. Roshan Johnson, who we like, but like, I like Gainwell more. Mostert, who I kind of like, but I like Gainwell more, and Singletary, who it's like, what, like, literally, what's the use of Devin what's Singletary? What's the point? Yeah, I was what does Devin Singletary, Singletary do for bit, this team? Yeah, truly, I, truly, he does not seem to even be their third down back. So, I mean, Gainwell's going to move up a lot. The question is, like, are you interested in like Gainwell versus Tank Bigsby? Like, I think that's that, that's the of, line. That's I think that's that's the line where I'm like, I want to take both of those guys. So I'd probably yeah. take Tank because I just have more Gainwell. But that's right. a good line. Yeah, I think that's where it's we're headed. Yeah, I think that's where we're headed. I think that's about fair. Like, I'll caveat this by saying first, like, I have absolutely no pushback where Gainwell is going now. Like, smash pick at 158, even 150, 140. I think it's great. I think once he gets into that Bigsby, uh, Warren range, I think Dude, I Let me would. do another one. Him versus Algier. See, Algier's got, like, maybe the best contingent upside of, like, almost anyone but I don't feel good about his standalone. So I think in a lot of seasons, Algier is just a total Zamir White, like a guy who literally gives you zero weeks of usable, maybe one week where, where he just happens to be the guy in at the goal line or something. But Gainwell is what we were talking about earlier with Warren, that nice mix of a little bit of standalone and really good contingent. Yeah. Yeah. To me, it's Gainwell. I want Gainwell over Algier. Yeah. I think like, I want Gainwell. He's the starter yeah. for the Eagles. Like, I, I know that's not the most likely scenario, like that's that's the but thing, it's right? in like, play it's in it's play. in play now you, you have to admit that it's in play even if everything's overblown with the preseason thing we can't take this as like gospel that he's the starter they're going to run a committee of some kind anyway but like but there is a chance that he is their early down back to begin the season in which case why would you not take him over tyler algier a pure contingent back yeah yeah 
Yeah, I made this. So I, I was wrong on Gainwell. I, I'm underweighting him, and I that definitely feels like a mistake. So I'll, I'll say that up front that like I definitely think I was wrong there. That was just a some kind of process error. It is true though that man, you look at the the box scores where Miles Sanders has missed time, and they have not gone to Gainwell as a feature back. Again, it's a small like, sample. I mean, but- literally the most recent game we just saw the Super Bowl. Miles Sanders got banged up and like was like rotating in and out. And I think Gainwell got four touches maybe. Yeah. He, he did play 51% of snaps in that game. So, and but that's like, so I was looking through 2022 and 2021, the two years. He got, he got four targets in that game, but yeah, like he's just really maxed out at like a 30 to 40% like snap guy, like kind of no matter the circumstance. Now the, the Super Bowl, you can say that, that is a pretty meaningful exception. But even then, he got up to 51% snaps, like Boston Scott's mixing in for 20%. You look at um, right. 2021, weeks 8 through 10. Again, this was Gainwell's rookie year, so a little bit different. Sanders missed a couple games. And in those games, Gainwell played 31%, 19%, 31%, which is basically the same as he was playing before Sanders' injury. They just used Sanders' injury as an excuse to play more. Boston Scott play a little bit of Jordan Howard. So... That's what I'm worried about is like maybe Gainwell's role is like locked in, but it's just locked in at that role that he's had the past two years, which is like, right, you know, 30. I, well, I think, very I think, yeah. yeah. Well, like, I think there's a uh, quite a good chance you're right, but I think that his chance in prior years of being a lead back was zero. And now I think with Swift sort of being the same thing of being like a guy, a, I believe he has not played over 50% of snaps since week three of his rookie year. And then you have Penny, who it's the same deal. They're not going to use Penny on passing downs. Like, no chance they use Penny on... Penny, cover your ears. He's Jordan Howard to the Eagles right now. He really is. Um, doesn't mean he can't I don't need to cover my him. ears. If he's if he's Jordan Howard and they actually use him, I'm in. <laughs> like, right. Well, okay. Good, yeah. Okay. Good point. Yeah, what good year, point. Jordan Howard? Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Good point. But it's like, it's like Gainwell, I mean... Prior years, 0% chance of being early down, goal line, any of that stuff. And now it's like, I don't know, 10, 15% maybe. Yeah, there's of some that. chance. And, yeah. and, some that's, like, chance, and yeah. that's a really good pick where he was going and where he is going. It certainly right. was, yeah. I feel I certainly feel a bit naked not getting exposure um, at the once. Like, it, it was too easy, and I think I was just like, ah, he's like, you know, the James White of the Eagles offense, and like, why do I want that? But I should have just been like, what if he could – you know, have more in that. If that role is locked in, it's it's kind of worth the pick at that point. So, well, anyways, the other thing I'll say about Gainwell yeah. that I think you know, he was actually like he's shown a little bit in the playoffs, especially like he was popping in the rushing numbers. We only have small samples on him, um, but like he he ran well in the playoffs last year, and so that's like he isn't just a James White type play. I think. Like he's undersized and he kind of came in more as a receiving back, but that's where I think like having been in the system for a long time, him getting kind of more work last year, Penny being the guy who's a little bit more like Swift seems locked into something. Penny is the dude we're like more worried about. And I actually feel better about Gainwell's ability to run between the tackles than Swift's. So that's yeah. kind of where, I mean, they used Swift last year in that, I think believe is the saints game or the Cowboys game. I can't remember now, but the, they used him um, on four straight carries within like the twelve yard line, and and it's like, why is Kenneth Gainwell getting the run here instead of Miles Sanders? Like, they're not afraid. I'm not saying like he's like their goal line back, obviously, but they're not afraid 
of using Kenneth Gainwell as a rusher in a way that you might assume if you just like kind of think about who, you know, the archetype of back that he is, he's probably a pass catcher. Yeah. And, and yeah, that, that's the thing with this backfield is like, I kind of think the most likely outcome now is it's just like a full blown, I'm not sure which three it's going to be, but I think it's, it could just be a full blown three, three man committee. That's what they did down the stretch last year with Boston. Yeah. Scott. But so, so, um, but then just take the cheapest guy. I mean, that's, that's classic. Like, because then you're picking up like r- random spike week, random touchdown goes yeah. your way in yeah. baseball. These guys are, are going to be brutal. And I know because I just took DeAndre Swift in a main event uh, famously and then got sniped on Kenneth Gainwell so we could take fucking Jeff Wilson. I hate my, I hate it so much, but they're going to be nightmares and manage. They're going to be extreme nightmares yeah. and manage. Yeah, they are. But, like, yeah, they are. They, but, but for best ball, I think Gainwell. I Honestly, Gainwell up to like pick like like 135, 140 feels fine to me. Yeah, that seems like his price range. Like ahead of Algier, behind Bigsby and – Warren, I think. Um, okay, let's let's talk Bigsby. Speaking of Bigsby, um, this was like the one preseason snap uh, heard around the world. He only played one snap with the starters, uh, with Trevor Lawrence and, and ETN and the rest of the starters in Jacksonville. But that one snap, as people are pointing out on Twitter, uh, was a short yardage, I believe a third and one where he got stuffed. Uh, so people are, I think this reaction is people are taking that to mean that Bigsby uh, is the likely goal line back in Jacksonville, or at least has some chance of that, and that's driving him up. Um, Davis, what are your what are your thoughts on this this Bigsby uh, usage in the preseason uh, that we got to see? Yeah, I mean, I don't really care about um, I don't really care about the preseason snap like that. It seems like totally whatever to me. But Bigsby, I was chasing up boards anyways. Like I like yeah, it, it I was, was kind too. of. My- he was kind of my guy like last week before I really started to make a point to get um, uh, Kenneth Gainwell. Like, so there's like some chance that ETN, you know, turns into Najee Harris and they just use him in between the twenties. Seems like a a hundred percent chance. He's the clear handcuff. So I want, I just want to have a lot of guys like that in my portfolio anyways, like as many guys as I can get who I think are Tony Pollard, Alexander Madison, you know, formerly for the Browns, Cremont, just like no doubt about it. Starter gets injured. I'm getting that guy's projecting for 16 and a half points or whatever the next week. I want a lot of those guys anyways. I think Bigsby is clearly that. Now there is some chance that Bigsby is going to pull off these, um, you know, these high value touches, right? So inside the 10, third downs. Because that, the thing, I've, I've railed against this forever. I think ETN is awesome. I think he's so good. Yeah. I think he's so dynamic. Like, I don't have – I actually don't – like, the corresponding movement of Bigsby going up, I'm not drafting ETN less. But we always want to typecast ETN as a pass catcher because he did it when he was with Trevor Lawrence in college a little bit, and he, he – Well, because an part. Urban Meyer got sniped on Kadarius Tony and decided he would just turn ETN into Kadarius Tony, But Urban Meyer's right. an idiot. We know that. <laughs> he's proven Ur- that Urban, yeah, Urban many Meyer's times over now. Yeah. Um, like I think Bigs Bigsby might just play, I don't know, 70% of the third downs. Like they might use him as like kind of like kind of how they were using Jamichael Hasty and Dearness Johnson last year. So I'm chasing Bigsby up. I it doesn't I don't really care about the preseason stuff. Like, I mean, it's nice. You would rather yeah. him have gotten that than Dearness Johnson or Jamichael Hasty or whatever. But yeah, I just think Bigsby is another guy steam worth chasing. Because something that we're seeing happen right now also, and I meant to bring this up earlier in the show, I, I thought we 
for some reason it was in my calendar as 11:30 instead of 11 my time doesn't matter um <laughs> i think we are going to see much stronger but actually purposeful driven changes in adp like the first six months of us doing this show it's basically people reacting to a tweet like basically basically all these nerds reading a tweet now we have some non-nerds drafting with us. I don't know if you guys have been noticing this, but there's been less badges in the room, names you don't recognize. And so there's more drafts. So the information there's the information is changing quicker. The ADP is changing quicker because the volume of drafts is higher. The, so like just the velocity of information is greater. And the information that people are reacting to is more meaningful. So these are changes in ADP that I think you need to be having a stance on because they're, they're likely time going to, to impact. Yes. time to reach a little bit. If there's a guy that you know is going to move up, just it is time. It's time to go. This guy is mispriced now, right? Like yep. Kenneth Gainwell is someone that, like I said, I was overweight on, but not to the level where I would like to be. Given I'm like, okay, this the bet looks a bit stronger than 160 now. How much stronger? Well, I'd like to get him at 150 if I could, but if I need to get him in the 140s, I'll I'm down to do that too. I think he's a very strong bet in the 140s as well. And I don't think he's going to settle in the 140s. I think he's going to move up ahead of that eventually as well. So I'm that's a guy – I could be wrong about that, but that's the bet I'm willing to make, so I'm going to go ahead and reach. I don't think 12th round Kenneth Gainwell is going to look bad in a month. I think I'm going to be totally fine with that. So, yeah, th- not everyone. And don't – you know, yeah. I think in general we're, we're kind of like – I would say we are sort of in on most of the preseason takes, it sounds like, but also try not to lose our heads. But, you know – this is a spot where, where you know the ADP is going to be shifting a lot, so you might as well try to uh, strategically get ahead of of some of those spots. Yeah, Pat. Before we move on from Bigsby, what are your thoughts on on ETN? It sounds like I think we're all probably fine with with Bigsby where he goes, or I, I actually like him quite a bit. But like Dave like said, I, I'm not taking this. Like I think. I do think one of the inefficiencies in the fantasy community still is so many times like the running back discussion becomes like the team RB2 versus the team RB1, where in many situations and you know, this the last couple of years. And this guy's awesome. Yeah. Like I if it's a running back in a good backfield where I like both the prices, like I did this last year uh with Seattle. I'm I'm doing it this year with Jacksonville. It's just like Man, I, I want shares of like the running back on the potential Traveler Trevor Lawrence like Ascension team. And I think both ETN and Bigsby have cases for being really high upside plays. So I still like ETN. I, I do like Bigsby. Are you are you nervous about ETN um, at his price in sort of the 40s with the you know potential Bigsby stealing uh, goal line usage narrative that's going around now? I'm not. I, I'm trying. I'm what I'm what I'm nervous about is um, trying to trying to get my exposure uh, actually above um, market on on ETN is I I'm sort of nervous about being underweight and maybe this will help me get back to, to being overweight on ETN. But right now I'm, I think I'm at like 6% ETN and on underdog. Yeah. I'm at 6% uh, ETN on underdog, which I would prefer to be a little bit above the field on him, even with this Bigsby stuff, because he's a fourth round pick where we're getting an explosive rusher, a guy who, is a capable pass catcher, although he's not never going to be like amazing there, I don't think. And he was very consistent as a rusher as well last year. Maybe he loses some short yardage stuff, but like, I don't know. I mean, I don't think Tank Bigsby as a rookie is going to come in and be like a 
dedicated short every short yardage yeah i don't run. It's, it's not really what coaches speed. do like how yeah. they don't can you, really can, can anyone give me an example of a rookie coming in and then getting like literally all of the most important touches like it, no. it's it, it just just a sort of backwards on how nfl coaches think now it doesn't mean conversely it doesn't mean that that he's not going to get any of them and that he'll he get sniped some get everyone he's going to get some but yeah i mean literally this just happened like how many running backs lose like don't lose high value touches like Derrick Henry and Christian McCaffrey? Like there were there were game. I know this because I remember sweating out a first touchdown bet. There were there was a games last year where Sony Michelle was getting goal line touches over Austin Eckler. Like it just teams just do this. Yeah, yeah, they just do. Yeah, I I just pulled up my DraftKings but I'm eleven percent there, which I feel much better about. And it's easier to go ahead and take the fourth round running back on DraftKings because you can you know you're going to get a much better eighth round wide receiver if you want to go that route or even ninth round receiver you might be able to do Bateman in the ninth there. So to me, it's like the thing that's made me nervous about ETN is that why am I underweight on underdog is because of structural stuff. It's because the fourth round I almost always need a wide receiver. Like I've already made my like a detour with Brees Hall you know, a lot in the third round. So now I'm like, do I want to go Hall ETN or do I want to go Hall wide receiver? I may already have another running back with Hall. So then it's like, do I want to do a hyper fragile? It's easier for me just to take a wide receiver. So I, I take a wide receiver most of the time. But ETN, he pops a lot in my rushing. Like the the stuff I'm looking for, for how talented these guys are, ETN looks very talented as a rusher. So, and yeah. Gretch was pushing back the other day on ETN. And I like didn't really have a good counter. Which is another thing I'm like, I don't, this just feels like a spot. There's a certain spots like I've found myself in over the years where like I just kind of knew I was wrong, but then I never like corrected it. And this feels like one of those spots to me where like ETN's not someone I've been bullish on as far, as far as taking him relative to his ADP. But I can't really explain why other than like I kind of need a receiver here. But that's not yeah. a good enough reason to like be underweight a guy who's very talented. It is kind of frustrating, like looking at my exposures where I'm like, I don't have enough of this guy. And it's just because I like positionally need something else in that pocket a lot. Like I'm ending right. up with a, like I noticed this, like I really like Kyle Pitts, but I'm making like this huge leverage bet on Kyle Pitts compared to the field, just because I hate everyone who goes around him <laughs> and I need a tight end there a lot of the yeah, times. Yeah, and yeah. I just know it's going to be like week four and Kyle Pitts is going to have like Parker Hesse is going to score his third touchdown of the year. Kyle Pitts is going to be like on the sideline, like arguing with his coach. And I'm just going to be like, what? Yeah. This is this exactly really the type you check. You check the like ETR projections and Cole Turner is projected for more points than Kyle Pitts. And you're like, what's going on, guys? <laughs> yeah. Oh. Like, these spots, I, I, that gut feeling is like pops up sometimes. And it's so, because it tends to pop up in a spot like that where it's like, yeah, but what do I do different? What am I supposed to do? Like, yeah. And, to me, to like get on ETN, especially an underdog, that's I'm like literally like very encouraged by the fact that I am overweight on DraftKings because I'm like, okay, like that it because that is kind of what I should do at least is like go to DraftKings, make sure I have enough there where structurally it's so much easier to get them. But even on underdog, like I I can do I can you know I could take more Ridley, I can take more Metcalf and and get some ETN that way maybe and and attack that third round wide receiver which I'm generally fading, um, but maybe that's a reason to like not fade that part of the draft so aggressively. But I just think, I actually think that fading ETN right now is a little bit of a leak that I have. Cause yes, Bigsby could be like a little bit of a problem, but 
there is this thing where like a what third round rookie is the only possible competition that he has. Like ETN could get ETN could turn in a nice season with with yeah. only a, a a rookie like Bigsby who was a fine prospect, not a not an amazing prospect, not someone we would expect to like take the job from ETN given what he's shown in the NFL and as a prospect. So I think yeah, it's like a sneaky. It's I, I, he's still like a, a sneaky buy. I think. Yeah. The last thing I'll say on ETN, and then we can talk to some followers here. Is I, I think that sometimes as fantasy drafters, we have oh my this god, like, we haven't got the followers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we can go quick through the followers, but <laughs> Davis, you showed up an hour, yeah, thirty minutes late. Just so wait until we'll the stacking up. charts, Davis. Yeah, those are those have been burned. Oh my um, god, we are so long winded. Last thing on there ETN. Are, there are fantasy football shows that have gotten through every relevant preseason takeaway in like 37 minutes. Like 100% they're out there. Yeah. Oh, they definitely are. Yeah. ADP chasing is, it, we're just basically doing, uh, you know, reading Nathan Janke's snaps article, but uh, making it two hours long instead of a 10 minute read. That's, that's, that's a summary of this show, basically. Oh my God. <laughs> All right, I'll skip my ETN take. Let's move on to followers. No, no, no. Uh, I want to hear it. No, it, okay. no, please. That would literally be off-brand. You, we yeah. got to get the ETN <laughs> People take. know they, it, it's August 14th. Like they, they know what they're signing up for at this point. Yeah, that's true. I, I just think we get too obsessed with this idea of, like, the workhorse running back, like the Christian McCaffrey 2020 season, and, like, any running back that doesn't project to be that we get so nervous about when in reality, there's just like so few of those better, running better backs. Better take Amari Cooper instead. He can't, he can't be, he can't be 2020 Christian McCaffrey. Better take Amari Cooper. Yeah. Th that's what I'm saying. It's like, it's not like ETN. If this, if he was a one, two turn pick, I would understand the nitpicking, but like he's going next to, you know, wide receivers and offenses that might be horrible. Like I like Terry McLaurin. I like Drake London. Like I like some of these guys, but ETN doesn't need to be a workhorse back. He's, he's going be... next to Packers Chase Claypool. I mean, I, I heard someone say it might have been it might have been Corain who said why couldn't why couldn't Christian Watson be Chase Claypool? And I, it's been I didn't say that, me. but I, but it is it's someone someone on a podcast I was listening to said that, and it, it has been haunting me because it is so close how those comparisons could be. Like it's it's frightening. Yeah. But like, so there are a couple running backs like Barkley, I think is kind of like that McCaffrey 2020 where you can reasonably project that. There are some of those guys that exist this year, but man, so many good running back seasons the past couple of years have been with, you know, running backs that have running back twos on their own team that have sizable roles. Like Nick Chubb's been a RB1 for what, three years in a row with Kareem Hunt stealing goal line work, stealing targets. Like Austin Eckler's played like a 40% snap share role for a couple of years and been you know, our RB1, like even McCaffrey had Eli Mitchell mixing in Aaron Jones has been awesome with like AJ Dillon taking a huge share of, you know, in between mm -hmm. the twenties and goal mm -hmm. line. It's starting like, to lose me a little bit here. Cause I, I mean, Aaron Jones was, was a second round pick last year and it's not someone you wanted to have taken. I think it's price. It's price. It's price. Like you're yeah, exactly. ends a yeah. fourth round pick. Like I write the, the legendary running back article. Like I'm, this is my thing. Like that we want the guys with the Christian McCaffrey upside, but Traditionally, I think I'm going to go to the third round this year because it's just like not enough because <laughs> the article is not interesting if I only do two rounds, I think. But there's a reason I would never take it into the fourth round because you don't need legendary upside from a fourth round pick. No. Especially in best ball. Like an ETN is going to be heavily involved. You know, he's not going to get displaced by Tank Bigsby. I feel pretty confident about that. Like you're going to get 
usable production from a talented back in a good offense. And honestly, like, what if he does have most of the short yardage stuff? Like, then all of a sudden he can crush. Like, I don't think he necessarily profiles his dude with probably because of the reception stuff. Like, I, the legendary upside on him is a concern. And so you could say, okay, he should be like more of a third round pick, but he's a fourth round pick. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we've talked about it before, but, you know, he's going off the board at running back 14, I think, something like that. Traditionally, that costs you a late second, early third round pick. Um, you know, maybe not last year in 2022, but 2020, 2021, RB 14 costs you like a late second round pick. And I think that's kind of the profile. Yeah. So maybe, yeah, we go back to 2020. I'm probably not drafting, you know, Travis Etienne over Devonta Smith at pick 24 or whatever. Right. But that's not, that's not where we are. Like we're choosing him over, you know, Sam Howell's wide receiver one over, you know, Jordan loves wide receiver one. It's so, it's so different um, at that price. So anyways, uh, we're getting to the fallers uh, an hour and a half in uh, Dulcich. I think this one is maybe like, one of the biggest preseason usage things that jumped out to me. So curious your guys take on it. Dulcich was not playing in three wide receiver sets. Uh, he was behind Troutman on the depth chart. Um, that, that is pretty concerning. If I, take, if I want to take a part-time 47% route participation tight end, I'll at least just take Dalton Kincaid because I, it would, it's like missing out on the Dalton Kincaid explosion in the three week sprint while Liam is just like counting, like Scrooge McDucking into his money. Like I, I can't bear it. So I literally would just rather take Kincaid. Yeah. I can't argue that. I can't yeah, argue against I, that. I, let me see. I think if you want, if you probably don't want Russell Wilson's, uh, I just, I just already done this with the Denver tight end. And like, there was the, you know, there was the dead cat bounce on Alberto. Like he went down to tight end 18 and then the team was like, no, 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 he's the starter. It's fine. And he went back up and I like drafted him on the way back up. And like, I'm not doing that. I I'm like, not, it's not happening to me. Yeah. I think you are. You're looking at Russell Wilson's Dalton Kincaid. I have him like 10 spots below Kincaid now. And yeah. I, and I was, I'm below market on Kincaid. So I, I have a lot of Greg Dulcich. I've been in on Dulcich. The thing that happened with me is that I wrote these tight end articles. I wrote one on Mark Andrews last week, and one just came out this morning. Oh, and someone made fun of us before the show, saying I would reference an article that I wrote. So, uh, congrats, congrats on nailing that. Um, but yeah, I just I was researching this article and was starting to get nervous about Greg Dulcich because he had eighty percent route participation last year, and there was a lot of reasons to kind of worry that maybe he wasn't going to see that much playing time and now with after the preseason i think we should assume he's not going to see an 80 percent route rate i mean that's that's a very good route rate for a tight end he could be significantly below that um the path that i do see for him is that maybe he could be like jared cook who was a, a part-time player cook was at 66 percent route participation um in a in a strong year with the saints i think 2020 was the, was the good year he had with the Saints? Uh, no, 2021. Yeah, 66 percent route participation. He was at only 19 percent on play action, which is again indicator that he was not like a traditional run blocking tight end. He's really like truly just a big receiver, this Joker type role. Uh, Peyton's called it. So maybe Dulcich is like their Jared Cook, and if he breaks out, I think he could pay off ADP that way. 
But like, you know, why would Scott, I bet on a guy Scott, two Scott needs Barrett, to break out just to pay off ADP? Scott Barrett makes this point a lot, <clears throat> and I think it's actually it's it's under um, under discussed. But like tight end seven, who gives a shit if Greg Dulcich finishes as the tight end seven? I think this the idea of him splitting all this time and stuff with Troutman is like he well he's just removed from being a top three tight end. Like he just will not generate enough snaps 100%. and volume. So what what is the point? I mean, I and obviously in best ball, it's a little bit different because there's value in just like accumulating points. Actually, Pat, you just did. I, I actually uh, this morning just listened to your tight end premium podcast episode, and it it got me. I mean, one, it actually did get me more, even more bullish on Kyle Pitts, which is an issue. But it made me. <laughs> Sorry. It made me. It made me be like, there literally is just no point in drafting Evan Ingram, David and Joku, Greg Dulcich. On, and Fryer you 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 had a different no I still like Fryermuth because I think that he's going to play more than early indications are like he's one of those bullets flying guys, um, but yeah that range of tight end it's it is just it is such a classic human response of being like I need a little bit of safety at tight end I want to feel warm and cozy I want the tight end nine but like the tight end nine just does shit for you and I think that. Like Dulcich's range of outcomes, if this is really the playing time they have planned for him, are so narrow. He he like at best he can be like the tight end six or like the tight end twenty-two, you know. Yeah. And there's just the thing is that that's the thing for me is that I think this doesn't drop him into like undraftable range by, no, by no, any no, means no, for me. No. But it it drops him just into this huge tier of tight ends where like like Pick and choose whoever you want. Like I, I, you know, I actually feel better about like Luke Musgrave and Jake Ferguson's roles than yes. I do Musgrave at this. Yes, than absolutely. Do, um, Great. at this point, like, and they go sixty picks later, where wide receivers and running backs, especially running backs, like, there's no running backs left at that point. Whereas if you're taking Dulcich, you have to take him over like a Jalen Warren. You got to take him over like a Tank Bigsby. Man, like that opportunity cost and the two by two, you're just getting killed on that. I think. If you're taking Dulcich at pick 130, so for me it's just like I'll unless he drops significantly. Even Sam Laporta, right? Laporta played all the snaps. Yeah, the Laporta. Starters. I and still like, have why would I take Laporta? Yeah, and ahead of a Conquo, but I'm open to changing that. Like the, those guys aren't because it's. It, I think he's now kind of in that range, and Laporta. Laporta could have a higher route rate for sure. Like there, yeah. I would be maybe even surprised if he didn't. It's it's that like. Dulcich showed decently well as a rookie, showed the ability to earn playing time right away, is a deep threat, which I think is is helpful, right? Like if, if yeah. anyone's going to get there on – that's why I think the Jared Cook thing is pretty apt because like he does sort of profiles a seam stretcher um, and, and he can kind of get there a little bit on efficiency, generate some spike weeks even if he isn't a full-time guy. Um, but, yeah, I mean he's probably – yeah, he's part-time – tight end and if you want to take Laporta over him like I wouldn't really have an issue with that yep yeah let's talk uh Damian Harris this is more injury related uh than playing time we actually didn't see Damian Harris because he injured his knee um yeah I guess not a whole lot to discuss here you guys have jumped the shark on Damian Harris yeah Greg has already capitulated in chat that he shouldn't have said we jumped the shark on Damian Harris like two days later no I actually think you guys did jump the shark on him like he he is a very good handcuff to James Cook it doesn't mean that this drop in ADP isn't worth it yeah I don't know if he is I don't think he is 
Okay, here, here's the thing. The day, like, and- the day I let fear win on Latavius Murray is the day I just retire from doing this because, like, literally, if I'm going to sit here and be scared of, of the oldest running back in the NFL, I should just do something else. I should, I should, I don't know. I should go but, play. But like, think about, think about how many times you have to be right for, for Harris to, right? Harris has to have something left, which seems not like a, like a surefire slam dunk bet given that we're hearing about Latavius Murray. Right. He should he should have dusted Latavius Murray right away. So there's like the talent question of like what how much he has left in the tank. Then there's he's probably a contingent play, he's a handcuff play. So does Cook get hurt early in the season? In which case Latavius Murray's probably still kicking around. Right. So you kind of need it's like a contingent play that's probably limited to the second half of the season when Latavius Murray has completely uh faded with his like 35-year-old legs or whatever. So <laughs> Uh, it's like it's a very it seems like a very specific thing needs to happen for Harris to to bury me. Um I mean I don't I don't think he's like a bear like this drop in ADP is fine. He seems like a perfectly object like fine pick to me where he goes. I don't think he's a league winner. You know, your his path his path to beating you is that James Cook is too small and that Latavius Murray is 33 and and he scores 11 rushing touchdowns. That's it. But like Harris's yeah. ADP is 126. Tyler Algier's ADP is 141. Why would I take him over Tyler Algier? Because there is zero chance that Bijan isn't force-fed. There is some chance that they decide James Cook isn't up to it. Like, low, but some chance. Okay. That's, that's fair. That's, that's fair. But I still think they should be, like, back-to-back. That's a thing, like, man, ahead of sure. he's ahead of Bigsby, ahead of Warren. That That's – I guess it's kind of a micro-take. Like, I'm not saying, you know, put Damian Harris in the same range as – Taiji Spears. I'm just saying, like, where he goes, I think is like pretty clearly like 15 spots ish overvalued. And I'm just, I don't know, never clicking Jalen Warren. Um, this is another reason, Warren. by the way, why it's so easy for me to just take Gainwell in every draft because like I've got 0% Kendra Miller. I've got like 4% Harris. Drum Ford, I don't want to take at all anymore. So it's like, it's like there's like a, there's like 30 spots in ADP where there's one running back I want to take and it's Gainwell. So I'll just take him. Cause I don't care. Right. Yeah. That I, I completely agree with that with Gainwell. It's like, you get to the point. The other thing is that I still kind of want to be done at running back up like earlier, you know, like if I can, if it makes sense, like I want to take my just... third, fourth and fifth running back between pick 95 and pick 140, and then just be, be clean my be hands done. of it. Yeah. That's how I love to do that. Right. And Gainwell right yeah. now, 12th round, 13th round, you just take Gainwell and you're, that's your RB five and you're done at running back. I, I really like that. Um, so yeah, I, I don't, I don't really want to be messing with Harris right now. My thing is yeah. not that like Harris is going to get like passed by Latavius Murray necessarily, but like it could just be ugly. It could just be hanging around. Yeah. Like it, he just doesn't really have that much value. Like it's like a contingent version of getting to the Eagles backfield. You sure. know what I mean? Like, Cook goes down and now we have the Eagles backfield where it's just like kind of a, a muddled mess and we're hoping that we get spike week. So that could be wrong. I mean, maybe I'm underrating Harris, but I mean, that's another Latavius Murray. They're talking about him in short yardage too. So that's another concern. It's also like Latavius, like the, and I'd have to look into this to make sure I'm not just um, misleading people, but Davian Harris has never been trusted really in pass blocking or pass catching with the Patriots. And Latavius Murray throughout his career, he's never been like an elite pass catcher, but he's filled in for that role for Alvin Kamara uh, in years past. You know, he went back when he was with the Raiders a long time ago. He 
did get some decent pass game usage. So that's where I'm thinking like if Cook goes down, doesn't isn't Latavius Murray more likely to be the pass catching back than Damian Harris? Like Harris has been efficient as a receiver, which is one of the things Gretch was pointing uh, pushing back on that you know he actually has okay held up totally fine. Like when given the opportunity, he's been totally fine in yards per hour running stuff. Like it might have just been the Patriots not you know they they kind of segment out those those roles we know that yeah that's true um, he's never been below uh 1.0 yards per hour in his entire career 1.10 career yards per hour so he's not like he's been amazing or anything but he's been capable as a receiver every single year anytime he's been given an opportunity he just hasn't really been given many opportunities so it'd be tough to say i mean i think he could it'd be really up to the bills and you know i don't know what yeah. they would decide to do there yeah, I guess that's yeah, that's still kind of a toss up, but yeah, I mean he's a guy who's topped out. I guess seventeen receptions last year in eleven games. That's not terrible from Harris, but then you know prior years than that, it was eighteen catches in fifteen games in twenty twenty one, five catches in twenty twenty. Like he's just barely, barely been used there. Um, yeah. But like you said, it could be more of a Patriots thing than a Harris thing. Um, the last thing I want to get to uh here for the fallers is jerome ford uh he's down eight spots again just an injury thing for me i have been buying the dip on this because it seems like like he's likely fine for week one or at least like it's not a long-term issue for him and for me this is you know jerome ford i wasn't looking for early season points anyways so i'm kind of like you know the preseason usage signaled he was the clear running back to there i guess maybe there's more rest they bring in a veteran maybe but he still feels like to me, like there, there's a point where basically all the running backs to me are like close to undraftable. He's still before that. Like I'm still taking stabs at Jerome Ford. He's he's uh, getting to that point. The thing I stopped drafting him, but I stopped drafting him because he was my most drafted player when this hamstring injury happened. So I felt sick to my stomach because I thought I was just eating zeros already. The the thing is, is that this is um this is like the the New York Giants wide receiver thing that we talk about of like they're paying Jerome Ford nothing. He has no demonstrable success in, in the NFL to their team. Like like it it he was so def, he's just de facto the running back too. So like if Demetric Felton you know really crushes in camp for the next three weeks or John Kelly like is is you know the coaching staff's new favorite guy or just like whatever. He's, he is not insulated or protected by a contract, by prior service, or anything. And the worst thing that can happen to a guy whose role is de facto is an injury where you're just not available, you know? So it it, yeah. it just feels bad. Like, not that I think it's bad to be taking him where he goes, but I just personally needed to smooth it out because I couldn't have That's fair. this giant, you know, I couldn't have 35% of this guy who, like, I don't know, maybe would not touch the ball until week five or something. Yeah, Pat, what are your, what are your thoughts on Ford? Davis told me a little bit that it is true that it was somewhat of a tenuous grip on the running back two role. So I, I do see the argument of being a little bit more worried than I am. Um, what are your thoughts? Well, it wasn't tenuous from what they had indicated, right? Like they, yeah. back in the combine in Matthew Berry's article, he had, you know, they're really high on drum Ford, like expect him to be locked in as the RB2. And that held true like up until the hamstring injury. I mean, no, no draft guys um, coming in, no free agents. They haven't been tied to any of the free agent running backs. So they seem to be like pretty into him. But I also think, yeah, teams sometimes like 
these injuries, like it changes things. It really does. Like yeah. guys can be having some great camp, be earning all this praise, and then they miss two weeks, and it's like, sorry, bud. Yeah, they, I mean, it does. It's weird, like how much. It's almost like, I mean, if you wanted to play, I don't know why you got injured. <laughs> like yeah. there's almost like something like that, which is obviously yeah. stupid, but there. You know, there's like a football coach mentality for sure. Yeah, so I'm a little bit nervous about him too. I just don't know, like, do I want to take him over like any of these other running backs? Like, or sorry, do I want to take any of these other running backs over him that I have ranked behind him? Not really. Like Devin Singletary. Yeah, like what? I I really like Jeff Wilson. I really like Chuba, Chuba Hubbard is Chuba Hubbard is the guy I take now instead. I I'm like I'm just like all in on uh on Chuba Hubbard, like sort of unintentionally. The reporting on that one is interesting because it's been it's been mixed. Like I saw, I believe it was Cody Carpentier um, say that like when he watched practice, it was just uh, Chuba and Sanders with the ones. But then other reporting has been like you know Blackshear is looking really good and Chuba hasn't really separated, and even like Visca is getting some running back work. Yeah, so. but but now I mean we we did sort of partially get the answer to that because Bryce Young played eleven snaps and Chuba played eleven snaps with him. Like I I mean, oh, did that, he? I, I, miss, I missed that nugget. That sort of that sort of tells me that. I mean, yeah, I saw the same tweets of being like they were just alternating first team drills. True, I I'm just not I'm not afraid of Raheem Blackshear. Like, I'm the other thing I would say about um. All yeah, you're right on Blackshear. that. That preseason usage was really. I I missed that nugget, but that that was bullish for Hubbard. Eleven out of eleven snaps with Bryce Young is is pretty good. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, that that, that, that is that that I'm glad you emphasized that because that's a more that's a better point than what I'm about to make, but. <laughs> the um, the Frank Reich stuff, like he's just struck me as like he doesn't really want to talk about stuff. Like Raheem Blackshear was like one of the guys he singled out originally, but like he didn't really single out players, and it felt like kind of like pulling like give us something, Frank, you know. And like the Lavisca stuff, right? I went back obviously and watched what he said about Lavisca, and they're like we like we might have some packages for him and stuff. It was the most like. Yeah, I don't know, man. Like it's fucking July. Like we're figuring stuff out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Lavisca's on the roster. Yeah, right? he's on the like, ro- yeah. like we could use him like that, I guess, maybe. Yeah. But like, uh, shut up. <laughs> like Crane, he just seemed Crane like so annoying. Crane is literally the Michael Jordan of watching NFL press conferences. This guy is so good at getting the right context. You know, ch- like interpreting the inflection. Like this, no one's better. No one's better <laughs> than this guy. At uh, an NFL press conference uh, interpretation, <laughs> right? Well, yeah. I'm bullish because I, I look. I wanted to. Go, I went there to go be bullish on Visca. I did, and I didn't come away. There's a reason I wasn't tweeting about Visca afterwards. I was like, I don't think this guy has any oh, interest shit. in using. I think Visca I got I got to delete my my pro Visca tweet. At least I hedged it with saying like this might be my worst take of the off season. So no, I no, always, it was. It, I can it, always it, say it, it was a joke if it turns it was, out. Too bad. No, because because <laughs> the. <laughs> I, until until Lavisca retires from pro football, I will be holding the he could have been Debo Samuel if he was like willing to take his diet seriously and got like ten percent faster. Oh, I mean, I I still think that I just don't know yeah. that they're going to use him enough. I mean, they just seem he's like, yeah, I guess like we're going to have like a sub package set up for our wide receiver six. Why why? But why do you care about that? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Terrace Marshall's direct backup uh, is, yeah. is going to get four carries this year. Oh, <laughs> yeah, like, you ask about it a lot. I guess we'll probably do it some. All right, one I when we're talking about Jerome Ford, Pat, I did want to uh, throw out one name: Zamir White versus Jerome Ford. What what's your decision there? Because Zamir White has been like 
very clearly, I think, the the RB2. Um, obviously, I, I do expect Jacobs to be back, but he's one where I would, I think, launch him ahead of Ford in, in my rankings. Um, what are your thoughts on that? I think my thoughts are that I'm anchored to the old Zamir White ADP because I don't really have a case against it. Like, not only does Zamir White also look like the number two, just like Ford did, I don't really have any reason to think Ford's better than White. In fact, White is – he's the size-speed uh, size combo guy. Um, Ford's fast, but, I mean, White's a big dude. And uh, then you also have the uncertainty with Josh Jacobs. Like, yeah. there's a non-zero percent chance that Jacobs doesn't play for the Raiders this year. Yeah. Probably pretty close to zero, but it's non-zero. So, I mean, that's some serious upside that you're getting baked in as a little icing on the cake there. So, I don't know. I don't really – I don't want to do it, but I think I am going to put him ahead of Jerome Ford in my ranks. Yeah, he's, he's one I've been reaching on, uh, Zamir White, because it gets to a point where I'm like, man – and again, not to do Devin Singletary to slander him again, but I'm like, Devin Singletary or Zamir White. It's like, why is Singletary going 30 picks higher? Like, he's it like, makes, even... it actually makes no sense. Singletary yeah. should be falling a lot. Like, he's not, he's not even the third down back for the Texans. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was taking him. Like, I, I don't want to, I think taking him was fine when we thought he was, I, yeah, 12% Singletary on underdog. Okay. Like, I'm not making fun of you. You took him. Uh, I clearly burned some money with this, but like, if he's not even a third down back. What is he? Yeah, yeah. It doesn't make a ton of it doesn't make a ton of sense. And it's also we're talking the Texans, right? I mean, I guess you can say the Raiders uh, aren't too exciting either. But um, I think Singletary is one. Again, I was taking him. That's one I'm going to slow down on. That's a thing, right? And you know, maybe we can wrap up here uh, with sort of a macro take, but. Man, the, the people who are saying, like, don't react to the preseason, like, don't let your previous exposures. Dude, like, everyone overreacted about Josh Jacobs playing in the Hall of Fame game. Okay. Yeah, it's like. <laughs> All right, great, you, great. You've got one, like, there are a lot. You can of admit you make like, mistakes, too. You did, yeah. Like, oh, you were going to draft tight end 11, Albert Akui Boonham, like, when, when the coaching staff was literally saying, like, we hate this guy. Like, this is our least favorite person on the planet. Like, there, there are so many instances of really good they were, when they're calling him albert O. it's a red flag it's a red flag i mean there 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 are millions not millions there are hundreds of instances of good preseason information that we have gotten over the years so to say don't react like there is a right way and a wrong way and i think the the most correct way is to understand that like teams can be doing weird stuff like with the Eagles running backs, like I think it's roughly positive for Gainwell, but it doesn't mean Penny Swift or any yeah, of these other guys are dead. I wanted to talk about dead. Penny before we got out of here, yeah. It does not because because uh, uh, Nathan Yonke uh, mentioned this in his article. Last year in the preseason, the Eagles did the same thing where they used Gainwell as the early down back and Sanders as the third, just to like see what they could, just see if they could do it, just to throw them in some live action. Like it, it doesn't ever mean one thing. And it doesn't mean that that's how they would call things in week one, but they're trying stuff out. And it's important to notice like what guys are being asked to do and why they might be asked to do it. Yeah. And I, I dropped Penny in my ranks, but you know, I think, I think that's defensible, but I still have him pretty high. I have like five, five spots behind ADP now. So I said, I didn't freak out or anything. I don't think 
but um, I'm going to be dropping Singletary more. And it's like, okay, what was, what did we think about these players coming in? Like Singletary to me is like, well, I don't think Singletary is very good, but you know, maybe he has a chance to work into a committee with, with Pierce. Like we don't know that much about Pierce and he's at least clearly the contingent play. And then we get information that like, yeah, maybe he's like, maybe he's the contingent play still, but probably only on early downs. And also there's like a 0% chance that he would be working into any kind of committee. Cause he's probably not even playing on third downs. I'm, and if my t- initial takeaway was like, this guy's not good, but at least I got a role. And then the role comes in question. Like, we should be reacting pretty strongly to that, I think. Whereas with Penny, I think Penny is an awesome rusher. And so now it's just like I'm trying to dial in the best price to get on that awesome rusher relative to his opportunity. And if I end up overweight on him, you know, even though he ends up being a backup, like so be it because I'm betting on talent. And, you know, so with Penny, like my take on that is that I want to move Gainwell up and be more aggressive about getting Gainwell, but I only want to move Penny down a little because I still want to be yep. getting some Penny just because, I mean, dude, if he, if they lean on him behind this offensive line, like he could be a smash. He could go nuts. Yeah. 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 I agree with all that. And like, again, I think it's okay to admit you made mistakes early in the offseason. I think some people will be like, Oh, you're, you know, wishy-washy. You were high on him now then. And you're saying not to draft him now. Like, I've already, uh, I've already, like, <laughs> take, I've already messed up so many things, you know. Yeah. Like, it is, it is, I mean, imagine if you were drafting Trey Lance this whole time, and then you watched him the other night, and you were like, you know what, he actually is not going to win this job. No, I, or, I sort of feel like I might have messed up this Purdy thing, and like Sam Darnold might just be the starter. Oh boy, for the 49ers. Yeah. Uh, here's what I'll say about about that, right? Like, you know, you might not want to admit it, but you, you listener, have also made a ton of mistakes. You know, as of I, as of Sam, as of Davis, like we've all made a ton of mistakes already. If you've been drafting, if you've been drafting, you've made mistakes. That's just yeah. the way it goes. If you're not going to admit it and double down, you're just going to, you're just going to make more mistakes. Like, and the other thing is, look, when you're drafting early in the off season, you have some advantages. You're going to get better prices on players than will be available later. You're also going to have to eat some, some losses. Yeah. But now we're starting to move into a period where we get new advantages. We get information over those people who drafted before. Take advantage of it, right? Make them pay for not having that information and use the information to your advantage to build teams that they didn't have access to or wouldn't have known to build early in the offseason. You don't, like, leverage yourself against yourself, right? Like, those old teams, my old teams suck. I'm going to build better versions of those teams now. Like, you don't, I don't think you even need to like, like this version of yourself can be like at odds with your June version of yourself. You know in what I'm fact, saying? In fact, it, like how often do you get to hedge yourself out of a loss? Like before it even happens, like you can do it. Exactly. You got yeah. time. Like Damian Harris is one example for me. I was, um, Damian Harris was like, I think my most drafted player in pre-draft and then he landed up with the bills and I was even more excited. I was taking him a ton in May and June. And then we get reports that, you know, he's not the locked in RB2. Regardless of what you think of that, like, I'm at, like I'm not so biased on Harris that I'm not updating my priors. Like, I'm, you know, then he gets injured. Like, the reports are saying it's a competition. Like, I could just bury my head in the sand and double down on Harris. And maybe that is going to be the right thing to do. We don't know. Or you but could like, jump the shark. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You could jump the shark. But the point being is, like, 
I don't get the ignore camp news uh, narrative that that people say. It's like, like you, what, you do what have to know it. Like what? Also, like what activity are you doing? You know, it's like it's, kind of, it's fun. Like yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah like on. what you're gonna draft? You're gonna draft 400 best? And I don't know. Maybe there are like I know there are like some poker guys who take best ball really seriously who draft like 500 teams and like maybe they're just like all this is for me is a chance to try and win three million dollars and I use underdogs rankings and that captures all of it for me or whatever. But if you're two hours into ADP chasing, like my guess is that's probably not you, you know, like you're probably not just like micro grinding um, these like 0.3% edges. So like, you know, like let's, let's have some fun. Yeah. yeah. You made it halfway through ADP chasing, you know, like you're clearly committed. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So now going to uh, the giants wide receiver six battle Crowder, you see Crowder's uh, playing time in the fourth you, quarter. You guys, you guys, you guys um, see that uh, Isaiah Hodgins was playing while uh, Campbell and Slayton got the day off. That's made me a little nervous. Cut risk. I, I did have the cut risk take uh, three months ago. Yeah. So I like, Dar- like that one. inarguably Darius Slayton should be going ahead of Isaiah Hodgins. And I'll, I don't care. I know it's wild. It's kind of wild. Yeah. Darius just, Slayton I, is the most wild thing. Cause I think like every single sharp or like everybody on Twitter has made a thread or like a tweet about Darius Slayton in the markets. Just like, absolutely don't care. Whatever. Yeah. Don't care. And, and like, I'm not going to reach for him by like 40 picks or something. So it's like, <laughs> yeah. whatever. I'll just take him. But I, you know, I have a lot of Slayton, thankfully, because I also have a lot of Hodgins. Yeah. Okay. Let let it. Let's wrap up here. We haven't done our best uh, value takes uh, in quite a while, oh, yeah. so let's let's go back to that. Man, we are going to do. I, I got to have this. some real stinkers in there. Like, there's got to be some guys <laughs> who I said we're going to rise who were just like completely undrafted at this point. Undertaker gift for my Kyron Williams take from him like two months ago. Kyron Williams yeah. getting rested with the starters. And how about, oh, okay, we're two hours into the show. I can mention this. Guess who else got rested with the starters? Tutu Noah Atwell Brown. got rested. Yeah, Tutu Atwell. Tutu Atwell. Tutu Atwell got rested. Puka, Puka Nakua looked good, but guess what? Sean Payton hates to play starters in the preseason, and Nakua and, and Gretch's boy, uh, Demarcus Robinson, also played. So, oh. hmm. our boy. All right. Um, anybody have a, a take as I scroll through ADP? Uh, we'll, we'll go first come, first serve here. Uh, if anyone, let me let me take a look. Yeah, here. I'll do. I'll do. Uh, I'll, I'm just gonna go Michael Wilson. I I, I think oh, he might. Look at that. Making fun of me originally for for talking him. Well, we're talking about. I'm, I'm literally capitulating on something I already got wrong this season, which was ever drafting Greg George. I let my my love of the short kings go a little bit too far. Um, <laughs> Michael Wilson. I I and he might even be capped out on how high he can go. Like how high can the third wide receiver on the Arizona Cardinals actually get? But I do think he is more like a. You're on the clock at 1610 and you know you need one more wide receiver and structurally you don't care which third tight end you get then just take him like what like you know so that that's where that's where I'm at with Michael Wilson I'm gonna go Khalil Herbert it's gonna be obnoxious how high this guy goes you're not gonna like it we're gonna get mad about it damn dude starting running back on the Bears that's what you're gonna start hearing right starting running back on the Bears where does that archetype of guy typically go high high so yeah. i would i'm i'm gonna be drafting him. i'm gonna be chasing him up a little bit if i'm getting him around you know pick 105 or something cool you know because i don't i don't think he settles there i think he settles maybe quite a bit above there yeah 
I'm going to go, guy we haven't talked about, but I think we got some decent news on this preseason is Ty Chandler going at pick 205 now. Again, admitting mistakes. I was a McBride over Chandler slappy uh, throughout this offseason. I watched I, McBride I, take I'm one run this one. preseason. So we'll, we'll talk about it. But man, watching McBride in the preseason, he looks rough compared to Chandler. And I didn't watch many preseason, so maybe I'm biased by the one game I watched. But Chandler looked really good out there. He dominated. Um, you know, even Abram Smith was mixing with the starters, but Chandler had way more snaps than both Abram Smith and Dwayne McBride in the preseason game. I think the one hole you can poke in this is Kenne Nwongwu was out due to injury, and he has been listed on, like, the unofficial depth chart as the RB2. So maybe you can say it's still a little bit of a competition between Chandler and Kenne for the RB2 slot, but, man, I think Chandler really dusted uh, McBride in that preseason game. He looks like he can do a little bit of everything. You know, had a couple catches, uh, had had some rushes between the tackles. So I think he's going to emerge sort of as the clear running back too and start going up in sort of the Jerome Ford, um, Zamir White range as sort of unproven, but, you know, clear running back two on their team in the next uh, couple weeks. All right, Davis, you got something to say on Chandler? Or, um... Well, it's just that, I guess, I mean, he did look good, but this is a case of like every camp report on Ty Chandler is like, uh, you know, that the infomercial gif of the guy carrying the bucket and the hose and like falling over himself. Like that is the visual representation of every Ty Chandler camp update. It's like he fumbled, he missed the pass block, he can't run, he doesn't have hands. Like it's like every, and so like the beat writers, obviously there's some degree of like, you know, these are not seasoned football guys they're just sort of and they're and they don't see every part of practice there's some that's buying closed doors but yeah i i want to and i also ty chandler another guy where my bags are packed already so i don't feel the need to draft more but like i am wondering if kenny and wangu wasn't hurt like what would that distribution have been like look beat writers they do an incredibly valuable service for this industry but i would like to to go um uh, toe-to-toe with with the beat writer industry in in projections uh, I don't. Yes. I don't do projections, but I'm pretty sure I can out project. Well, it's always, projections it's, it's, are always fun. 20, 20 to twenty five touches per game, right? <laughs> it's always twenty twenty five touches. They have no uh, beat writers. <laughs> do have no sense of how many plays are actually ran in that right? Yeah, like, I think both these guys could be getting twenty five touches a game. Yeah. <laughs> like, how, how? how? How does that work? Yeah. 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 That's fair. All right. That was a good two hour show, guys. Um, Pat. Uh, let's see what's going on. Legendary upside. I saw a lot of tight end uh, content is being churned out the past couple oh, of days. Yeah. Last, awesome. uh, last few days, tight ends have been uh, talk of the town over at Legendary Upside. I got two articles that came out, uh, one last week on Mark Andrews, and then looking at previous, uh, I call them impact, impact tight end seasons, but kind of tight end seasons that made any kind of difference at all. Um, and looking at those seasons to determine like what we're looking for at tight end. So Mark Andrews, Checked all the boxes on that profile, wrote about him. Travis Kelsey does as well, but, you know, you know that. That's why he goes 106. Um, and then this morning I put out another article on the site looking at the other early drafted tight ends and kind of how they fit within this uh, kind of player archetype thing I'm going to be doing. And then the next article that I'm going to be working on is going to be the legendary running back article. So um, I would recommend that I'm planning to do that one completely free. So if you haven't signed up for the newsletter, sign up for the newsletter for free and you'll get that article delivered right to your inbox whenever I'm done with it. You can also sign up for $99 a year and get a $50 underdog credit 
as part of that, um, or it's 10 bucks a month if you just want to sign up and then uh, cancel in September, which is, uh, you know, an acceptable thing to do. Sure. Awesome stuff. Davis, what about you? I saw you got some, uh, was it someone from Sumer Sports you had on the TakeCast? Yeah, Tej, dude. What a, okay. what a, man. These, these, uh, these real analytics guys. But the, the cool thing about him was that uh, he is a nerd like us. He plays best ball. But like he's doing it oh. like with with like uh, you know all this crazy data and stuff that I can't even imagine. So he was good. Um, I think uh, JM to win is going to come on uh, Sports nice. Grid Fantasy Football Podcast this week. So I, like it's helpful for me to talk to people who are not a part of the the cabal. You know, to to be like, what are what are people who do this way differently than me drafting? Like I, I think that's cool. And then that's cool. Yeah, and and we're just gonna we're gonna keep vibing. We're dude, we are. We are close. I have you guys gotten to this point yet where you're like, I'm so close to the season and I have so many more drafts left that I need to do. Like so many more drafts. Like, it's a double edged sword. I like I want to do the drafts because I'm like, there's so many more takes I want to get off, you know? Yeah. And then there's also like I wanna also just be done <laughs> drafting. I'm like, I'm pretty good. <laughs> but uh yeah, there's a lot more drafts yeah. to come. I feel like I need to correct a lot of things in the next couple couple weeks for sure. So I'll be drafting yeah. a ton. Um, we'll be back next week. I believe uh, Leone uh, is going to be joining us. Uh, wow. Get the ETR. Uh, oh my god! The puppy three Love. just dropped. Oh, oh no, I know what I'm. Do- I know what I'm doing this afternoon. Jeez. <laughs> but yeah, I can't Anyways, do it. I can't. Die. Uh, it's over. Five dollar buy-ins. Give me another fifty to a hundred dollar buy-in underdog. That's the last thing I'll say before we close out. Give me, give Ooh. me like a small field, a hundred dollar buy-in. What was the fifty um, call? That was a fun one. We got Gretch coming on here for a second. I don't know what that was about, but <laughs> anyways, we, we gotta go. Um, all yeah. See you guys next week. We'll be back with Leone. Uh, we can't Later. go past two hours. Peace, guys.